jam-packed episode. Uh, Mike, we've got a ton of stuff we can cover tonight. We do. Everything from a rematch of Yanari and T-Suns. Mm-hmm. Not totally T-Suns, but Yanari and T-Suns and friends. Yeah, Zinch. Yeah. yeah, we'll see maybe how that match went. Uh, we've got brand new Apocalypse Rules. The data sheets just dropped today, and since our recording about a week ago, uh, there's been a whole lot of new stuff coming out, all sorts of stuff we can talk about there. Uh, But why don't we get started in an area that we haven't talked about in a long time. Uh, Actually, I don't even think we've talked about it once on the podcast, but it's a legit area of 40K. It's actually Kill Team. And... Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the last maybe three or four months, there's been a lot of new stuff coming out. You have the Kill Team Elites, um, and you've been looking at this some this stuff. What uh, what a thousand suns have, and how's it look? So, um, I'm sure as most of you are, Kill Team is the skirmish version of 40k. Um, effectively, it's like 100 to 200 points worth of small unit tactics. And so in original Kill Team at launch, the only units that Thousand Suns had at their disposal were, of course, Zangors and Rubric Marines. And um, the Rubric Marines are, were very easily the best troop choice in the game because of their ability to take the, the flamers. And so you could just advance and shoot them every turn. You uh, pretty much just sort of had to sit there and die. Uh, unless you got really lucky. Because you basically took out... Uh, so in Kill Team, one of the things they put in were a lot of places or a lot of rules that could mm-hmm. give you minus hit modifiers and things like yeah. that. And you could get some stuff, I think, up to like minus three or minus four to hit. Yes. Places where like you just you can't even shoot. But with Rubric Marines, with Flamers, you just advanced and you don't care. Like you don't yeah. get penalties. You just... Auto hit always with AP2 weapons. So you're basically taking that whole chunk of the game out. Mm-hmm. So with the, uh, the, they then came out with another expansion uh, called Commander, which uh, effectively introduced HQs into the game. So like Brood Lords for uh, Gene Stealer Colts and Tyranids, um, Captains, Librarians. And for Thousand Sons, we got Sorcerers. And I think they got Exalted Sorcerers too. Um, which was a huge change because now you could have this sort of one-man army just walking around trouncing entire teams of regular dudes, Um, which unfortunately, due to the way that the game sort of worked out, uh, I don't actually believe the Thousand Suns really benefited much from getting their HQs because of the fact that you only have so many wounds and you have fewer actions. Um, ultimately, it was very difficult to win with a aspiring, with a Exalted Sorcerer or the regular Sorcerer. And that was still intended to play within the 100-point uh, cap? That they um, so the way that it worked is that it increased the points cap to, I want to say, 200 points. Um, so you could afford to actually bring like a level three sorcerer um, who had, could cast all these powers. He had amazing buffs, but it was pretty much by himself. Or you could go with a cheaper one and have a couple of rubrics hanging around to protect him. Gotcha. 
And so now that I don't think really was very popular, most because, well, why would I take this single guy when I can bring my regular guy, squad of dudes? And you still have to be able to hold objectives, right? Yes. Uh, now, granted, there were like special missions and such inside Commander that sort of made up sort of work, but not all armies were made of equal. So, like, for instance, Guard, they have a 30 point commander. Um, whereas, like, the Aspiring Sorcerers are, like, the second... No, the Exalted Sorcerers are the second most expensive commander in the game after the Tyranid Broodlord. Right. Well, um, they're just following in the steps of 40k in that, for that. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much... Um, so, we pretty much had nothing for a long while. We had a couple, like, like little minor things, like Sly Marbo got, like, slotted into the game. Stuff like that. <laughs> and so, then Elites came out uh, a couple months ago. And this is actually really cool. So effectively what it does is it opens up elite's choices into regular kill team. Um, and you, so you can make a entire kill team out of your elite's choices, or you can sort of mix them in with a regular kill team. And the, um, it also introduces new commanders for armies that have gotten new HQ choices since commander came out. So like, for instance, all of the new HQs choices and elite's choices of the characters like from the starter set, um, the greater possessed and the um, new librarians and such, all those got rules now. Uh, and then of course we got the elite choices, which for thousand sons really just means that you can now bring scarab occult terminators. And <clears throat> the cool thing about the scarab occults and the other thing that the uh, new book introduces is deep striking or really reserves in at all. So effectively now our certain armies have the ability to put half of their points of models in reserve. And then they come in at the end of any movement phase, which is very, actually huge because as you might recall, one of the big things, I guess my big complaints about kill team back whenever we were playing it a lot was that whoever goes second has the advantage. Right. Um, whereas in this, because they come down at the end of the movement phase, it doesn't matter who goes first or second in regards to movement because you still get to place them five inches away ready to, you know, kick ass and take names. Right. Um, and so one of the cool things a Thousand Sons can do is take a, a, a Scarab Occult Terminator with the um, heavy flamer that we get oh, yeah. and just barbecue someone. It's like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go straight to hell. Um, which it seems really good. Plus the fact that power weapons are very useful. Um, we can take the um, Scarab Occult. So they, they let the Scarab Occult have more weapons than just his four sword? Oh, yeah. Power sword? Or, or yeah, yeah. So they, they, they get everything that they get in the normal game. So you can give me the Soul Reaper cannons or the heavy the uh, flamer that they get okay. the strength five AP minus two flamer. Okay. Um, in addition to the, also get the missile rack. Uh-huh. Um, so pretty much it's just, if you own a, a squad of Scarab Occult, you can use them in Kill Team now. And the big thing about Kill Team is I'm sure y'all will remember if y'all played it at all, is that the points are dramatically different. And so you can mm -hmm. squeeze in things you wouldn't normally be able to squeeze into in normal 40K. So does the Scarab Occult Terminator fit in somewhere between the commander and the troops in terms of... Yeah. 
So a regular Scarab Occult is like 30, 40 points, as I recall. Right. Very, very, actually very affordable. Yeah. Uh, about double the cost of a rubric. Can you make um, them, like, can you take a, I, I imagine you can't take a, like an aspiring sorcerer Terminator, right? Like it's just uh, <clears throat> No, you, you can take the uh, Terminator sorcerer as your leader for your kill team. Oh wow! So your your sor- your main sorcerer can almost get upgraded, and become this like even worse threatening madman. Yeah. So the limitations on this the uh, the terminators is that you can only have two special weapons. Okay. Um, which is perfectly fine. Um, and that's about it. Uh, you can no. choose to give the uh, scarabacult sor- a sorcerer two swords. If you choose to, oh, wow. an extra attack. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. Are they now? The sorcerer has the force sword, right? So you could have a force yes. sword and a power sword, or is it mm-hmm. two force swords? Force sword and a power sword. Oh, okay. So you get. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So um, deep striking these guys in dumb question time. Like, is it still like nine inches, like in forty k, or did they adjust that? So the big thing about Kill Team is that they, it's played on a much smaller map. And mm-hmm. so they adjusted it from 9 inches in 40K down to 5 inches in Kill Team. It's about half. Roughly, yeah. Rounded up. Yeah, um, the other big change, though, in this book is that they finally, after over a year and a half at this point, I think, have introduced chapter tactics and Legion traits and all that. Which, unfortunately, Thousand Sons don't get because we're Thousand Sons. But... Uh, is a big change in the game. Are they slowly rolling those out, or are they just they just said thousand suns? Just no. anything. They every army that currently has a chapter tactics type rule in normal forty k currently has it. Hmm. So Except thousand suns and death guard obviously don't get that because they're their own thing. Just seems kind of yeah. I I kind of wish because there are like in canon. Uh, different flavors of Thousand Sun. Yeah, um, you have the different cults, right? Yeah, you have the different cults. And um, it's like it would be cool for them to I mean, you could have certain cults have certain things where this cult can like advance and charge or this cult can do something else, you know? And yeah. You just, everything down to like their Zangors and everything else are just painted a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of unfortunate that they uh uh, maybe maybe the the uh, thousand suns or the um, what is it the um, uh, the cult of Magnus or the 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 main legion would have um, the expanded psychic power range and then other ones would have different powers. So even though they would all be able to smite on fives, mm-hmm. you could then get into like some different flavors of them where you know like crimson uh, crimson suns might I don't know have plus one to all their psychic powers like to cast or something like that yeah you know something something a little different i i think giving them something to sort of differentiate so that not every single thousand suns list or not every death guard list or custodes or whatever have the exact same special rules and you could even get you could start to fix some of the other things in my opinion because you could start to say well this this subsect of the Legion uh, is very good with demon engines. And so mm-hmm. what they have the ability to do is give plus one to hit to demon and all their demon engines or something like that. Yeah. You know, think, things along that line, but yeah, something. 
but I um, require to be fair, a, a quite a bit of work to rework some of the rules for the codex and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, otherwise, it's about what I'd I'd expected out of the book. Um, it has like twelve new missions, and uh, overall, I actually I like it as a book. It really opens up what you can take. Um, even though Thousand Suns don't benefit a ton from it, um, mm-hmm. just the ability to throw a, a squad, a Terminator or two in, as mm-hmm. acts as like sort of an anchor point for your Thousand Suns warband, is very useful. Very cool. Yeah, I know the um, the Terminators are one of the the one units that just kind of sit on the sideline right now that we don't use very much, and and even in the cases where we have seen them used. It's kind of like the people who use them kind of then they're not seen again afterwards. It's kind of like, all right, come on, we'll bring you along. And all right, I wish I didn't bring you along. So, <laughs> Yeah, they're hard to use efficiently because of, a, I guess, a topic we're going to talk about here in a bit, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, they're a unit that want, is dual purpose. And so as much as they have the good combi bolters, they also have those power swords and the extra attacks. And so you want to get into close combat. And um, they... Because there's exactly they, anything you want them to get into combat with. Yeah. Hey, they they're really they're really decent at killing regular marines. Yeah. <laughs> actually, they're also really good. And it might be a good time to just segue into it. They're actually really good against Death Watch too, uh, because you can yeah. throw FX on Death Watch, and once you do, all those storm shields, all yeah, those they'll chew right through them. You just go right through them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I've had I've had some games where I did play against Death Watch and and a combination of um, just completely smiting one of the units and then shooting or death hexing the other unit and then shooting and charging that unit. Um, I basically was able to with like Aramon and a couple squads of Rubric Marines, pretty much and maybe a Sorcerer in there, pretty much just take out two kill team squads. And when you total up all the points, you're almost kind of break even there just in terms of points uh, and yeah. exchanging that back and forth. Marines mm-hmm. just, man, power army units, they're just in such a bad spot right now. Maybe. Yeah, well, they've um, always had some issues when comparing them to like the specialist armies because one of the chief complaints is you wind up paying for things that you don't always use. Um, because they're they're all right at shooting, they're all right at assault, they're all right at movement, and so ultimately, unless you're playing like God tier, I am Robo Gilliman in the flesh, and can right. just squeeze every bit of usefulness out of them as you possibly can, you're gonna run into ninety percent of the time. You only get about I would say forty five percent effectiveness out of any given unit, right? Right. Um, and I mean, even even when you think about it, if you just take your standard Marines and your Chaos Space Marines, they even suffer because they don't really have any upgrade options. And yeah. you, you're not going to take a squad that has half combat, half shooting. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they, the way they wrote the rules for them, that's kind of what they were thinking if you were just going to take one squad. Yeah, it, it, it's either you kit them out one way or you kit them out another way, which is kind of like playing them as specialists, but they're not supposed to be specialists. They're supposed to be flexible tacticians that are um, above average at, at almost everything, yeah. not necessarily average. And I think which I think is what they're the trying to. 
sort of transition them back towards being effectively giving them specialist units with the new Primaris Marines. I'm hoping that they give Chaos Space Marines something a similar sort of clarity of purpose. Um, well, even even Primaris still suffer from the same problem in the fact that if you just take them as regular Primaris, you, granted you get pistols to shoot and Tac Marines get pistols, but we're not talking that. We're talking close combat. So you still yeah. you still have the um, you know, Primaris at least get a little bit of flexibility with their weaponry and mm -hmm. they, you know, can put out a hell of a lot of shots with some of the new Vigilist stuff. But they still, like, if they have to go and get into close combat, you're kind of like, uh, great, I have one attack each. Yeah. Well, they actually have two attacks awesome. each. But, um, wow, okay. But they uh, I'm actually, that's actually what I'm referring to, though, regarding purity of purpose, though, is that you know that with a unit of Primaris Marines, like the basic troop guys, the uh, intercessors, they're there to shoot bolt, their bolt rifles. That that's their right. job. They take they hold objectives. Um, hell blasters. You're going after hard targets. Every unit in the new Primaris range has a very like this is what I do. Whereas you look at the old tactical marines or chaos space marines, and you have one guy with a special weapon. You have one guy with a heavy weapon. You have the sergeant right. who has a close combat weapon. It's like, I, I, what am I doing here? Yeah. And Chaos Space Marines have a little more leeway in that they can just kit their squads out as close combat. But uh, Classic Marines are just sort of up shit creek in that regard. And then we look at Rubric Marines, it's even worse because you basically yeah. just don't even get options at all. You, you And granted, they're walking automatons. I, I get it. Um, you get the better armor. You get the, you know, out of all the power armor right now, they probably, it's just for the points you pay, they're probably one of the better, the better units. Yeah. Um, Plague Marines might be up there as well, just because of how freaking tough they are. And the fact yeah. that you've got their, when you factor in their Legion traits and things like that. Yeah. Well, plus Plague Marines actually get a ridiculous number of options and almost all of them are good. They just really have to decide what type of Plague Marine you need when it run. Yeah. And you, you know, you have little upgrades like the Icon of Flame that are just completely pointless right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you do get a little bit of customization with your Sorcerer, but it's it's so minor that it's it's just kind of bland. You know, yeah. like when you really look at the Thousand Suns right now, um, I'm, I'm going to start my rant. But if you, look <laughs> the, if you look at the Thousand Suns right now, they have become probably one of the more bland armies out there it could be just based this is me talking from the perspective of having played them not non-stop but mostly as a main army for the last year um you have aramon your demon prince your exalted sorcerers maybe your terminated sorcerers they have great hq units all right without a doubt they've got great hq units so to guard all right so to blood angel um you know you can go on down the list a lot of other armies have great HQ choices. But then it falls off a cliff where it's kind of like you can take Zangors, they're mediocre. Okay. You can take Rubric Marines, they're mediocre. Um, cultists are now bad. Uh, so, you know, if you need to play in the meta right now, uh, it's really a matter of what is your role going to be on the battlefield? So our troops kind of have this weird role. And I think on one hand, it's good to see Matthew Ali do really good at some of these tournaments with the Rubric Marines. But on the other hand, it kind of shows you that 
when a when you take the main troop choice and their only tactic is to do nothing like they're just there to stand there guys that's gw that something was missed there like you guys have missed the ball somewhere here where either from a point standpoint or from you know what their output is or something somewhere along the line we've missed something and these guys are just not you know not living up to what they should be you know they should be a lot better in, in my opinion i i don't necessarily have the answer to how to fix it but i do know looking at it it's very frustrating um, so i did this past weekend i did some stats on what we're seeing from a breakdown of armies at tournaments. Um, so for example, Mike, you build an army, you bring Aramon, a demon prince, some rubric marines, some Zangors, you know, and some Zangor enlightened. Yeah. And what I did was I went through all of the, all of the lists um, for a few of the big majors that have happened down here in Texas. It could just be our meta, but I'll get to that. You, you basically take your army, and what I did is I went through your list, and I said, okay, your stuff like your Zangors, um, those are going to be counting towards melee. You, you put them into melee points. And then yeah. your stuff like Zangor Enlightened, if you took them with bows, those are going to count towards shooting points. And I basically just put created two buckets either either how many points did you spend on melee and how many points did you spend on shooting the mm -hmm. second way i ana analyze this because it's not it's not black and white with all the units in the game they're like if you take um i don't know cultists i guess if you just take cultists no nah, not cultists let's, let's just take the tac marines and or chaos space marines and let's say we kitted them out with pistols and close combat weapons well they're going to count as melee a melee but uh, if they give them like bolters and heavy weapons there would be a shooting unit exactly so it really it's it becomes subjective as to what their primary role is like their role is to go in there and shoot so like rubric marines would count as shooting zangors would count as melee cultists would count as shooting on and on and on I, I'm sure I didn't get them perfect all the way down the line, but I was consistent with it. Um, the other thing I did was with units that were there to support shooting, um, a good example is the Chaos Lord. If I bring a Chaos Lord and he's just in his basic point configuration, I counted him towards shooting because his mm -hmm. role would be to sit there with the shooters and give them reroll hits to rerolls of one. Whereas yeah. if I took him as a Black, Lord, uh, Black Legion Chain Lord, his role would be melee because he's there to go in and annihilate stuff in combat. So I think you kind of get the hint of where I'm going with this. Um, mm -hmm. I broke these armies down and I essentially did an analysis of where the waiting was in the game. And this was before any of the tournament results started to roll in from, from this past weekend and what I had been seeing. Um, overwhelmingly, I, I, I looked at all of the people who did four and one or better at these tournaments, at these majors. Mm -hmm. Overwhelmingly, the armies were weighted towards shooting. Yeah. Uh, to give you an idea of how weighted towards shooting they were, 
I would say that 80% of those armies have a 75% or higher allocation of shooting. Mm -hmm. Meaning the units in their list, 75%, so 1,500 points or more of their army was just dedicated to units with a role of shooting. Yeah. There were a few outliers, but even the armies that were in the top, uh, the top, uh, say, you know, the, the top 20 is about what it averaged out to. Even the folks that were in that group, they had um, a split that was much more like they're more in the middle. So they're mm -hmm. more 50-50 or they're leaning shooting. Um, there were a couple outliers like Matthew Ali's list. Um, and that just comes down to, you know, he gets lots of Zangors. He's got some stuff in there that kind of leans that way. So it, it becomes a little bit more melee focused at that matter. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you basically have a meta right now that has shifted so far to shooting that it made me kind of reflect on it and realize that you're going to start seeing armies like Tau and Guard and knights and custodies you know with their new tanks they're all going to be up there at the top and sure enough this past weekend we got the results that rolled in and i was not surprised to see that um for for one tau won two events they had a third tau player that was second overall um you also had Space Marines, Orcs, um, lots of Craft World Eldar, um, and the kind of the kind of the going mo for a lot of these armies is just they can put out they they can focus on having one role, which is shooting. So yeah. knights are a really good example here of why they're so good. A Crusader can sit there and shoot. Um, purely shoot all game long and it will earn mm -hmm. its points back yeah but you can also in a crutch move your crusader up shoot charge something stomp it to death and completely you know fall back if you need to the next turn shoot again uh, mm -hmm. and you'll you'll still be able to hold that uh or or be able to get even more in in a matter uh more points out of that unit or more value out of that unit doing that. Uh, and it underlines just how good the Knights are when you start seeing that perspective of the fact that that unit is 400, 500 points that can really do either very, very well. Yes. And there's not a lot of other armies that get, like Tau for that, for instance, they just do shooting. I mean, we mm -hmm. know they, they just don't do melee at all. Yeah. Um, Orcs can kind of do a matter of both, right? They got tank busters, they've got ludas, they've got, you know, slugger boys if they really need to. Um, you've got such a mix of armies at the top, but they mostly are all just focused on shooting. And it made me realize that when I looked, <laughs> ironically, at a couple of the armies that I had been running at these past competitions, I was weighted at like 85% melee. Like yeah. I had three disco lords, I had a lord of change, I had two big squads of brimstones, uh, mm -hmm. or not big squads, small squads of brimstones, I had two big squads of zangors, 
you start adding up all the numbers on there and you realize like you're you're basically <laughs> you're basically like peeing into the wind is basically what you're trying to do yeah and it I don't know what you do with Thousand Suns or with Chaos right now. Um, well, Chaos Space Marines have some options, but if we just focus on Zinch, I don't know what you do right now. Um, as Zinch, uh, really, the current trend is to focus on the shooting game. And yeah. Chaos Space Marines do have options, but as, as Thousand Suns, it's a little rough. And I think you're forced to fall back on Forge World a bit in order to even compete in a shooting gallery style. And meta. even then, even then, I, I mean, I think that some of the new stuff that has come out has completely surpassed any of the edge that you would get off of some of the Forge World stuff. Yeah. Um, like in the early days of of Eighth Edition, the the uh, what are they the 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 rapier batteries. Yeah, were really. I mean, in a way, they're kind of still okay, but they were really, really good. Like the number of heavy bolter shots you could get out of mm -hmm. like seventy points of just something standing there. You got a couple of greens out of it. That was something you'd look at and you'd go, "Okay, that could be a problem for me." And now it's just kind of, "Meh, I can deal with it. It's not a not not a problem." And it's just the plethora of other things that have come out that have just push that stuff down so far down the heap that now we're looking at it and there's there's this mountain of stuff that you have to be able to overcome just to have a chance like we could talk scarab occult terminators for, as an example mm -hmm. you know um it costs what like 450 points to bring a, a full-size squad uh, yeah do you, do you think anybody who takes a full-size squad of scarab occult terminators on the table is going to tell you that they should cost 25% uh, of your entire army. I don't think anybody would agree with that. And that's honestly been a problem that they've had since before they released green terminators right. have always been a, uh, well in the last three editions at the very least a huge point sink that just has issues performing um, with the, especially and disagreeing with something I said a long time ago when the edition first came out. The fact that, so I started playing in 5th edition. A 2-up or a 3-up save was a huge deal in that edition because if there's just there weren't weapons that bypassed it. Actively, you had power weapons and heavy weapons, like a LAS cannon, a missile launcher. Those were, you could reliably remove one or two a turn, but you'd still have to sort of deal with the unit and then as the additions have gone by those better saves have started to mean less and less and as much as they do reduce the points cost of these units every every edition i don't think it's enough to sort of mitigate um how much that save doesn't matter anymore so let, let's take a, a unique scarabacult terminators so you're paying what uh, forty plus points a model for Scarab Colts? The guard local guard player can bring a almost an entire squad of infantry. Give them two plasma guns, and now your Scarab Colts are effectively worthless for a third of their points. It's just yeah. not. 
Yeah, like what are you going to do? You're going to yeah. use your your 200 point Terminator squad. Well, let's actually look at this right now. Let's just stop throwing. So, out of the box, just the basic way to take a Terminator squad, it's 189 points. Mm -hmm. 189 points right there, just to put them on the table. And yet, your guard squad isn't going to. It's going to get completely mowed over. These guys aren't in the game to go with your guard squad. They're in the game to take on other elite infantry. They're other yeah. Terminators. Um, and it just uh, it just doesn't seem to, to have any role at all. With, I mean, the two plus save, but you also have other stuff where um, take Dark Eldar, they can wound you on fours no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, so if you take something really tough like Magnus, they don't care. They just drown you in, you know. Yeah, and the uh, poison shots. Yeah. But I think at the moment, if you want to compete as Thousand Suns, and I'm not saying you're like meta shifting or anything even remotely like this, is you have two options. One, you can just flood the table. Let's go full horde. And hope that whoever you're playing against didn't bring the tools to remove that many Zengors before the game ends. And I, I'm not saying this is a good strategy. However, I know at least versus certain lists, this will work. It doesn't work versus guard. Yeah. Um, the other Probably option... Yeah. I don't know how you're Zengors. Like, if you're saying Horde, you're Zengors, right? So Yeah, that, that's the only option. That, knights at that point. I mean, you don't. So uh, actually, I was, we're going to talk about this here in a bit regarding interactions with knights and with armies that can't hurt them reliably. Because <laughs> I have a, ca a, a case for you okay, um, regarding uh, that exact issue. Um, and the other option is, of course, to effectively take two battalions with three small squads of rubrics to play the objective game and then bring some form of shooting to back them up. And that's trying to play into the meta. The thing is uh, that concerns me about that, I guess, strategy is that against a pure shooting army like a guard or Tau, you can't compete. Uh, no, it's not just, at all. The, the overwhelming firepower will be too much, um, and you'll get blasted off the table before you can do anything. Um, and I, I think the your local meta very much will decide whether and which of the those tactics you're going to try to employ actually strategy is the proper term yeah. there um because unfortunately the thousand suns are a small codex um and short of games workshop sort of opening up the floodgates on oh yeah all these new releases you can take those uh i, I don't see that changing anytime soon yeah they um if you think about it there's a thousand Suns do mediocre shooting. Like they're middle of the road on shooting. Yeah. Uh, they're middle of the road on, on melee as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there's probably some people that would say, well, they have demon princes and they have Zangors that are good. Yeah. Well, when you look at the bar for melee, that bar is way higher than where thousand Suns are. Like yeah. that's good. It's, it's decent stuff that can do work on the battlefield, but that bar, like look at corn blood letters. To me, blood letters are like the, they are like, all right, that's melee. You yeah. get in, you just obliterate whatever's there. Mm -hmm. Okay, you die. 
I get it. They they just absolutely die and fall apart the next the next turn. Yeah. But that's that's showing you where like if you're going to be really good in melee, that's where that bar is. And Thousand Suns are in that mediocre range. Yeah. So the only thing they really do that's that's better than everybody else is psychic the psychic phase. This is very true. Um, the sheer number of bonuses you can squeak out is pretty ludicrous. Even the powers too, mm -hmm. like the number of powers you can take. You've got 15 powers to choose from. Mm -hmm. You can be throwing these things left and right. You know, we played a game this past weekend again. Uh, and, you know, you could tell it was very much like you knew exactly which ones you wanted to try and deny. And it was kind of yeah. like, all right, just do your stuff until you get to that point where you're ready to, you know, yep. do the important, the really, really important stuff that I want to mm -hmm. challenge. And it was the same thing going the other way where I could just try to deny almost everything you were doing. Yeah. Um, and even then though, when you look at it, who do you think does better in a psychic, in a pure psychic battle, Eldar or Thousand Sons? Uh, are we talking pure craft worlds or in pure Thousand Sons? Uh, let's say optimized on both sides. I would actually say that the um, so for a few powers, Thousand Suns Rocket the the plus two off of Magnus, the plus two right. on Lord of Change, the bonus effectively the the pluses y'all get um, will are just in vastly superior. However, I think in terms of making every single psyker sort of pull their weight, I think Eldar are actually better. Because you can, you got those rerolls, right? On, yeah. So, so the farseers get rerolls off of their their um, powers, and then the question is, at the point where you're running like psychic heavy Eldar, the Eldar list is throwing out so many powers all over the place, and all of them are so good. Which of them do you deny? Yeah. And um, they can also get similar bonuses if they're running psychic heavy to what Thousand Suns get by using like the Seer Council stratagem. Yep. Now, granted, uh, you're you're baking a lot of points into that, but even if you're bringing yeah. your support cast, I mean, your basic stuff like your spirit seers or your your what do you call it the, the far seers or the warlocks and the ghost helm or whatever it is. Yeah, um, it's enough for you to just realize that if you compare craft worlds, craft world Eldar, two thousand suns, it shows you the imbalance in the game right now. Where yeah. Thousand so. Suns are supposed to be like, look, we've given up on melee, we've given up on shooting and being dominant in either of those. And we're good, we're supposed to be dominant in the psychic phase, a phase that a lot of people don't have very much defense to, but the armies that do, it's almost an even draw. Yeah, or I mean, for effectively the... Like, uh, they can do all three. Yeah, effectively the one place where Thousand Suns do shine over every other army is the uh, using smite. Um because Brotherhood of Sorcerers yep. is a fairly unique uh, rule. Only Grey Knights get it. Well, I will say, though, that Smite can be countered incredibly easy. True. And every, every army has a way to counter that by simply putting their chaff infantry out in front, or the stuff they want. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to disagree. But uh, that is the one sort of thing that you have that no one else does. Mm -hmm. as thousand sons mm -hmm. yep but um but right now in the game it's it's not 
it's not enough to balance out the army to give them yeah. a chance. I think I think they're really playing almost like with one arm behind their back. I now, do. Granted, I I think that really shows the it really shines a light on like when Matt Ali does you know five and zero at two tournaments against good players. Uh, it shows how hard that is to to pull off. Yeah, I think it does two things. One, it shows that he is an excellent player, but also Matthew Ali has always been very, very good at sort of interpreting the meta and where it's going. Mm-hmm. And a lot of – he effectively – every time somebody starts getting used to his list, he changes it, but doesn't sort of lose any efficiency in playing the new list. That's fair. And so he's always sort of, it seems to be one step ahead of where things are going, which is where you want to be if you're going to try to be successful at tournaments. Um, so I think this uh, conversation can uh, sort of segue into the uh, <laughs> events that spawned it. Uh, yeah, we could say that this weekend I attempted to play Warhammer 40,000 again and uh, didn't go very well. Yeah. So, um, we had you, a rematch. We, we did. <laughs> yeah. How do we broach this? Uh, so, so basically we had our, um, we had our weekly, uh, RTT in the area yeah. and yeah. we actually had a, a really good turnout. Some of the guys from out in San Antonio came out, mm-hmm. um, and it was really cool to be able to play with them. Uh, so it actually was really good practice just for everybody all around getting ready for, um, this coming weekend will be an event out in El Paso. Uh, yes. I will not be going out there, but I know some of the my teammates are going out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some of the San Antonio guys are going out there as well. Um, so it was really good. Uh, we actually had just a shout out to uh, Dino Sedano, who came out from his San Antonio. He was one of the Necron players who went 5-0 and at Alamo. Uh, yeah. or the Necron, I shouldn't say one of, he was the Necron player, excuse me, to go 5-0. and oh. uh, He was there, and um, so we, we had a good time. Um, my first match was actually against who you played. Uh, my third match. Third match, that's right, and he was one of our teammates uh, who was running a guard list. Um, so he had plenty of tank commanders, he had a, um, a Crusader in there, I think, as well, and yeah. You know, you're 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 pretty stand. Nothing too surprising. It's just a, a very solid guard list, and uh, it's Cadians. So for my first game against him, I basically deployed. It was Hammer and Anvil. I deployed to go first. Uh, I I took Magnus and the Lord of Change this weekend to do some experimentation to see. You know, can I make this work at all? Um, I tried the week before. This was probably a lesson in. You know what? you probably your first thought is probably the right thought and that after my play test the previous couple weeks it wasn't good and it wasn't worth it like he would just get shot off the table and sure enough drawing steve that was you know pretty much what i expected to happen um he got to go first even even though i got plus one uh to go first and i actually rolled a uh I, i got a five total he actually rolled a six so in essence he seized on me uh if you can think of it that way uh, so he seizes, he goes first, he pops the Relic Acadia, and pretty much Magnus and almost all of the Lord of Change are gone turn one. Um, and so that game was pretty much over at that point. Um, the, irony, the irony was we both kind of knew what was going to happen, 
And uh, when we're when we're rolling to go first, I think we were just kind of joking around. Well, let's you know roll to see who wins the game. And uh, you know, had I gone first, uh, I think with the powers that I have, like Infernal Gateway and Smites, and I definitely had quite a bit of chaff to get through. I think the game would have been quite a bit different uh, because yeah. it would have lessened the amount of power that was hitting me um, just in just in looking at things and how much I could have gotten out of uh, the the first turn initiative. Um, so that ended up being a bad loss. And then round two, this is what we really wanted to get to. <laughs> I draw the rematch. Of yep. Michael Gennari here. So. Yep. Which, uh, I, I was just coming off a loss myself versus, um, Gene Stiller Colts, which interestingly enough, I actually think thousand sons would make a good matchup for Gene Stiller Colts. Most because all their guns deal one damage. And so, Good saves across the board, but anyways, so but we you have to take lots of Rubik Marines for that to even matter. So we do, and so All right, there, let's there move you go. Anyways, yep. So anyway, so we uh, we play our second game. We get set up, and I go first and proceed to like I jet a unit of witches across the table, wipe out a unit of chaos space Marines. Pretty much, it was actually yeah, sort of a that this aside, so, sort of lackluster i didn't kill much i dealt a bunch of wounds to that lord discordant though yeah um, so we should we should real quick like you're yamari <laughs> you should probably <laughs> you should probably talk a little bit about like what what your army does so at, at, like, a very high level what you're trying yeah, to yeah. Do with your army because i kind of caught on to it after playing you a couple times i kind of realized all right i see what he's doing here yeah so effectively anari and my army in particular what it wants to do is it wants to effectively get a couple of units sort of in funny positions and have this massive infantry that moves up the table. So the units that I sort of, my throwaway units, I'm like my bikes, those witches earlier, um, their entire purpose is to die because that allows me to shoot my uh, incarn to their previous position. And whenever units die, I get buffs. And the important part there is controlling the rate at which I lose in our units sort of in tangent with killing enemy models. So at the end of the game, as much as I may lose a ton of stuff, um, I've maintained my assault priority the entire time because whenever things die, an RA gain effectively always strikes first. Yep. Um, so yep. even if I charge and I have it, I get plus one to hit with every charging model. If you charge me and the unit died, we alternate even though you charged is just it's yep. a huge swing um and it makes them a very viable close combat army uh, especially if you get like there's a stratagem there they give plus one attack to three different units for a yep. single point so it's completely completely ridiculous yeah um, and the fact that when you know one of your units dies you gain you regain wounds so you're yeah it's, on my characters like all of your Yonari characters that are regaining yep. wounds so that's that's kind of annoying yeah uh, um but i but, think yeah your your first turn was not it was kind of lackluster because you did charge up you did i had two lord discordants so i had to yep. i had to take one of them out of my list so that i could fit magnus in mm -hmm. and i you went first right and uh, yes and you came up the table towards me and i had deployed magnus and the bird were playing pretty much um pointy dawn of war uh, yeah. or sorry pointy hammer and anvil yeah 
and uh, I had put Magnus and the bird kind of out in front on both sides. Uh, so they were kind of in front. I screened off the back with just sorcerers and stuff. And mm -hmm. then I think I put, um, oh, I put some stuff in reserve, didn't I? The, the, yeah, you I put a, a horrors in reserve. Yeah. <clears throat> I had a big blob of pink horrors. And the other thing I did was, um, because I was using engineers, I put the brimstone horrors in reserve as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did that because I, I knew that you would probably target the ones I had on the yeah. table that were engineers. And if, I, if you were to kill one of them, I could then deep strike the other one into a position where I know they're going to be okay. Yeah. So I could, I could kind of play that as just a, a reserve. Um, mm -hmm. And you did, and you kind of, uh, you know, you did start to do that. Uh, my, I also had the three squads of cast space Marines uh, each had a last cannon. So I'm running the scourge, which basically meant I had uh, last cannons that were re-rolling failed hits. Uh, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the MO of this whole weekend was that despite the fact that I would always hit with my last cannons, I don't think I ever missed with a last cannon. I never wounded. Yeah. Like I just kept rolling twos and ones for wounds and mm -hmm. I couldn't wound anything, even in my game against uh, uh, the, the, the guard. So, so yeah, you, you threw your bikes up towards me. Actually, what you did was there was a magic box in the middle. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, which is an enclosed building, and you did a really good job of just dumping like your brain and the, the Vizark, a bunch of bikes on top. Yeah. So you kind of use that to kind of stay out of the way of smites and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. but, uh, what I kind of realized was that there were there was one spot I could at least go with Magnus, who was probably my most important asset, and yeah. I could put him on top of a building where you couldn't assault me. Uh, so yeah. I basically just put him up top and just stood there and just said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll at least eliminate you from attacking him. And then mm -hmm. I set the bird up to try and kill a, a raider. A raider full of witches. And that bird could not kill the raider. I yeah. think it had one wound, didn't it? I survived with one wound left after uh, power from pain. <laughs> yeah. So this, so yeah, you're, essentially what happened was Magnus and the, and the bird, if you can think about it, are on opposite sides. They're middle of the table, but they're on opposite sides of the table. Mm -hmm. And Magnus is up on the building. Um, and essentially what had happened was on your top of turn two, you had killed something like a squad of rubrics, I think, or, or a squad, uh, squad of, of uh, chaos space friends. Correct. And, the Incarn migrated back into my backfield. And that mm -hmm. was a big problem because I pretty much had Eremon, um, two, two sorcerers, not exalted sorcerers, but just two sorcerers, the rest of my Chaos Space Marines, um, my engineers, um, just weak stuff in terms yeah. of to the, uh, relative to the Incarn. Um, you were basically just going to run unopposed across my backfield. Yeah. Plus I had the Dire Avengers back there and I still had a oh, mic yeah. or two left. It's just a really bad scene. Especially because yeah. I mauled the crap out of the bird with my uh, everything. He was pretty much down to like one or two wounds. So there wasn't yeah. much he could do. And there was nowhere he could really go to escape. Yeah. Um, and so what I ended up doing was trying with Magnus to essentially once he, once I killed your bikes and the Incarn popped over there, Mm -hmm. I was then, and this was in the psychic phase, I was then realizing, well, okay, my next, I, I saved Magnus's stuff for the end because if something like that happened, 
yeah. I can move him. And so I went to warp time Magnus and failed. And then yeah. at that point, that was pretty much it. Because I had Magnus in a position where he could he could charge into your big blob with everything, mm-hmm. or he could warp time over and kill the incarn. And I was actually going to warp time him over and kill the incarn. Um, yeah. And at that point, that was the fact that I had failed warp time pretty much ended it at that point because I mm-hmm. could I had no way to respond. And Big Bird was about to die in my assault phase. Yes. And um the like Aramon was about to die, the sorcerers were mm-hmm. about to die. And, and so I basically I think two Chaos Space Marine squads were dead at that point. Yeah. I had like very little sitting back there and there was nothing the pink horrors could really do against you guys. Because you had yeah. four up involves to everything and it's kind of like, well, okay, I guess they could kill half a squad of dire avengers, maybe. Mm-hmm. That would that's cute. I mean, great, nice job. <laughs> so that was uh that that was how our rematch went um which yeah. guys leave magnus on the on the shelf and please for the love of god just pray to zinch that your dice roll better than how my dice rolled yeah that is game. the one crappy thing about having to rely on psychic tests is that sometimes the dice just screw you you would really think. hard you would think. I think I even failed a, um, a, a demonic gateway or something like that. Oh, yeah. No, you I were went, rolling I absolutely atrocious. I went full Emperor's text-to-speech device, like Kairos opening an infernal gateway on everything and doing more damage to, you know. Like, I was willing to blow up my bird in the infernal gateway. Mike had that much stuff just yeah. sitting there around the bird. And uh-huh. so Magnus went to do that and just completely whiffed, even with plus two. Yeah. Because you rolled snake eyes and then you rolled snake eyes uh, like a one and a three again. It's like, oh my god! And then one of one of the sorcerers periled himself off the Uh table as well. Yeah. Um, There, there was just a whole lot of bad. Just this giant comedy of errors, like should not not have happened. Just an error is like you did something you weren't supposed to. It's like okay, I I rolled two ones. Was I Mm -hmm. was I supposed to just set the dice down? Is you know, six and five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, so, I mean, whenever you need to roll a nine, just you just roll a nine. You, do, you don't roll anything else. That's just, what you I do. just roll nines. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, how'd uh, your, so Mike, how'd your, just out of curiosity, how'd you, so your third game, you faced the guard player. How did that, yes. I, I couldn't win that match. Okay, so effect, I got first, which was very lucky for me. But, um, I actually don't think even if I had gone second, it would have hurt me much because everything was out of line of sight. But uh, effectively, I we had pointy Dawn of War. And so I deployed pretty much my entire army in like a one by two foot space as close to him as I could get with like a little bit off to either side. And I rocketed all three sets of bikes, a set of Witches of Rain and a Succubus across the table and got into Assault Turn 1. Um, and yeah, guard, guard getting into assault turn one that if you were to ask any guard player, they're probably going to go, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. And so I used very, I, I consider it clever, um, pile-ins and consolidations to lock his Lehman Rust tanks into combat and uh-huh. proceeded to do that every turn for the next four turns. Oh God. Um, <laughs> to the point that the only time that Pask killed anything was whenever, 
uh, the Incarn charged in blind by himself and took eight wounds in Overwatch, and then well, Pask exploded and killed him. That's <laughs> deal, right? Like, yeah. our tank commanders are kind of like this thing, this holy grail that everybody's kind of holding up at the moment. Like, these things are amazing, but it's like, that's kind of their Achilles heel, that if you yeah. they're done. Mm-hmm. They, they literally can't do anything after that. You just keep charging them. All right, yep. you're hitting me on so. The thing I was going to talk about, though, with the regards this game, though, is that he had a knight. Uh-huh. And so that stupid knight crusader with a the thermal cannon and the Gatling cannon and the crack oh, missiles yeah. and the big stompy feet. And oh, yeah. I had, I actually, I had a plan going forward. So effectively, I popped the Incarn up right next to his enemy lines and on turn one uh, when I killed his first squad of mortars. And then I was going to kill Pask on turn two. And then I was expecting that knight to stomp across the table and take my priority objective and kill everything that was on it during his turn. So I could pop up the Incarn on my next turn and then charge into him. Well, uh, Pask doing what he did prevented that from happening. And so effectively I had this giant, horrible, stompy robot that I couldn't do anything about. Uh, my bikes had sort of tanked his army like a real champs, but they died in the process. And I only had the three Dark Lances available. And I decided that, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to wall him off with Dire Avengers. So he, he's stuck on that one little two-foot section of table where he the knight was whenever he deployed and made him blast his way out in order to get to the rest of my army. And so that bought me a turn. And then the Vizark bought, and the Farseer bought me a turn. And then a Wall of Witches bought me a turn. And really what it turned into was, could I get all of my secondaries and my objectives before he managed to clear through my successive layers of chaff? Now, do you see that situation sizing up before you get to it? Or is it the kind of thing where, when you go, like your turn one, when you're going in and you're charging them, um, do you just kind of look at it like, well, it's not going to do me any good to sit here. So let me charge the best way I think I can charge and then see what happens from there. Yeah. So my perspective on 40 K, which might be different than um, a lot of people is that you should always try to be proactive. Effectively never make a plan based off what your opponent, you think your opponent is going to do because if you do, and then they don't do that, then you've lost the initiative. Um, so instead you should effectively always try to make them play to your tune. And so yeah, that game, you're, you're saying, don't try to think about what they're going to do in essence, or, or move according to what you think they're going to do. Just yeah. like, do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then if they, if they adjust to that some way, then. Then perfect. You know, uh, right. effectively if they're playing, being reactionary, Odds are, even if you have an inferior army or an inferior list, you'll be able to control the way the game goes. And so on paper, I shouldn't have won that game. Um, we both sat down. It's like, what the hell just happened at the end? It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, all these things. And so like, I had a plan that was like very offensive. I'm going to wipe this unit turn, like just sort of goose step through your army after I got into combat turn one and had to, adapt based off of what happened every turn but i was always still i always still very much felt like i was in control of the game um which is it's important to be able to 
get into that sort of rhythm of making or controlling the flow of things, gotcha. um, which is why the shooting armies are actually so potent compared to the assault armies is there's fewer variables you have to control. Yeah. Although I would say, so someone made a very good point to me, you know, when I was talking about that very point in that the shooting armies tend to not have to deal with a lot of that crap. Yeah. But the assault armies tend to be able to get a lot more mileage in the game. Mm-hmm. In so terms of the fact that you can you can do a lot more with piling in like mm-hmm. in terms of being able to really um maximize the game yes the, the assault armies tend to be more oriented that way mm-hmm. i'm not quite sure how corn or slanesh are oriented that way to be fair but those might just be bad exceptions um so assault has always been high risk high reward um it's the rewards sort of a little lower in this edition because of the loss of the ability to sweep a unit. Mm-hmm. However, I, it is very much, um, you'll see these just ridiculous plays if you're playing an assault army, which is why I think even though they're not necessarily mathematically as good, they're still very popular is because you can get these big plays that are just epic to talk about at the end of the whole thing right where you're consolidating Um, into something yeah or you you heroically intervene but like a good example is so that first turn uh he had screened his everything all the all three of his tank commanders very well and so i had to decide okay which units attack where attack when because what i was able to do is because i opened a hole uh big enough for me to slot my base through into the tank commanders in the back line. It prevented him from shooting for the next, well, rest of the game, really. Um, Which that's huge. Being able to literally just nullify a unit with proper placing. Uh, Something that a a shooting army can't do, which is why shooting turns into a slugfest if you're both playing shooting armies. Um. And so as much as I agree, assault needs some help. It is having some assault is always very useful. So like the list I played, I would actually say is split 50, 50 assault versus shooting um, with that very notion in mind. Now, yeah. And from what I've been seeing, it seems like the, the, the way to go is kind of lean towards taking the unit that can shoot. But if, they, but if you have the choice between a unit that can shoot and do melee pretty good, take that one. Yeah, you know, which like, is uh, why Knights being a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Just, you can do both. So, yeah. you know, probably shows why they're, they're still like the best, the best that's out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we've probably hashed that one. Um, the... Next thing we were going to talk about a little bit is all of the APOC stuff. Uh, so yes. literally today, just as we're recording this, uh, earlier today, they GW released all of the data sheets. So that gives us a chance to kind of go through. And, and since we talked last time, they've done a little bit of, of just kind of expanding a little bit on what the rules look like. Um, so 
when we ended last week, I think the the main thing that I the, the main takeaway I had was just the fact that when I look at a squad of like five rubric greens, I treat that almost as like a model, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. A single model, like if I were to think about uh, something I do something with, it's just that's one model, the the unit of five that's there. Uh, yes. Now, it kind of shows now when, when they released the data sheets, uh, rubric greens are probably a really good example because, um, you know, if you take your basic five-man squad, you've got one wound. Then if you go up to 10, uh, you've got two. And then each increment of five from there up to 20, uh, you get an additional wound. That's really all, all you get, an additional attack on top yeah. of that. Um, they also get to take the, they get to take a couple Soul Reaver cannons. Um, they can all take Warp Flamers if you want to. Um, mm -hmm. And the nice thing about um, APOC is it's all power level driven. So there's, you don't have to worry about points. So the difference between taking Warp Flamers and Bolt Guns is negligible at that point. They cost exactly the same. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> so they've they've kind of do, done this pretty uh, pretty cool cool job of just kind of really doubling down on the whole uh, the power level thing. So um, I don't, it, Mike. Do you want to just kind of jump into some of these data sheets and maybe just kind of talk about like Thousand Suns and what they have that looks pretty good? Yeah. So um, the obviously the Thousand Suns range is well, Thousand Suns. So Aramon is still actually pretty good. Um, so he's seven power level, uh, like his normal forty k. He's got one attack and one wound. Um, really, he doesn't seem like super. He won't change the balance of the game by himself. However, one thing he does let you do though is so the way that the game seems to play is you have a deck of command assets um, that you draw from during the orders phase to determine like what sort of special junk your army can do mm -hmm. and he's allowed to once per battle just reach into the deck and pull out a psychic power deny the witch or adamantium will card and yeah. add it to your hand in addition to what you would normally draw yep. um, which could That's potentially really be very good because it lets you get exactly what you need right when you need it. I can think um, it, it, so if you haven't used it, the, they have that power as a command as a stratagem in 40k, mm -hmm. and I use it all the time. I used it in our game, Mike, uh, to go get a power that I needed. Um, yeah. Just and knowing that, hey, if there's something I need to go get or there's something I need to do and I'm not set up to do it, mm -hmm. that's really really powerful. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he still has the uh, Lord of the Thousand Suns rule, much like the Exalted Sorcerers do. Yeah, um, the Demon Prince just, as well. Yeah, the Demon Prince who has Prince of Zinj, which is different because it works for demons too. Yeah, it does work for demons. Um, um, and one thing I noticed looking at him in the Demon Prince is that so he, the Aramon and all the Sorcerers and Exalted Sorcerers are considered to be light characters. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a demon prince is considered to be a heavy character. So I'm wondering uh, how that's going to interact with the rules. Um, well, he's, so Aramon obviously is a infantry as long as he takes the... Um, as long as he's not on foot. Uh, yeah, so he loses infantry if he takes the disc. However, he still remains a light character. Yes. That's interesting. I wonder if there's something in the game where light, like light infantry, 
mm-hmm. versus heavy infantry. Yeah. That's uh that's a very good observation there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the Demon Prince obviously have, has the same typical uh, loadouts. He does, for all you folks really, really curious, he does not have the option to take a Warp Bolter. Nope. So controversy. Yeah. Uh, he's got two wounds and two attacks, um, which Aramon and all the light characters only have one wound and one attack. That makes so, sense. He's kind of a bigger, bigger yeah. baddie. But um, all effectively three up saves seem to be a five up save now, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Yeah, I think statistically we talked about that last week. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that works out to be about the same as a three up save. Yeah. Um, the exalted sorcerers effectively he's just a cheaper version of Magnus for the most part. Uh, not Magnus, uh, Aramon, Aramon, without the uh, master psyker rule. Right. Um, sorcerer is the same thing. Yeah. You, you lose your re rolls. You lose your. Yeah. Well, the sorcerer has a ton of options though. He does. Um, so it's kind of like can... if you want to put stuff on the dude, then mm-hmm. take it. Because like if you want to take a jump pack, Terminator armor, the disc, you're, you're absolutely right. Or if you want to take, you know, different weapons yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And it looks like a Terminator armor is a four-up save. It is. Um, but that does, it, it's actually kind of less than statistically what they would be in 40k. Well, the, keep in mind that the difference between, uh, so a four-up save, um, is you have a one a seventy five percent chance of passing regardless. So keep AP is gone. So that represents you getting me shot by plasma guns. Or got it. Got it. Whatever. Um, and uh, versus things like a heavy gun that does like well lots of damage, you'll actually wind up a little better off with the uh, so- four up save. Yeah, because I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of just the pure odds of, you know, if I just look at a three up becoming a five up, yeah, and a two up, in my opinion, would become a three up, not a five up. Mm-hmm. Or a four and up, but... units tend to have fewer attacks overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like a unit of twenty rubrics has four attacks with the bolters, which yep. rapid fire I assume will turn into eight attacks for at half range, but we don't actually know that yet, so don't quote me on that. Yep. And that's, uh, so yeah, we did cover the, the rubric rains. Now that kind of the unfortunate thing is we, I guess thousand sons and death card kind of get the, the stepchild treatment where they're just kind of lumped in with everybody else. And Mm -hmm. uh, so they have to kind of, um, give us these rules where, where rubric rains become troop choices. Um, and then they put Zangors in there as well. Um, yeah. Which have you looked at the stats on Zangors? Uh, you know, they're kind of just a- so. They're actually not if you think look at it. So Zengors, they're easy as chips to kill, but um, they get a thirty-man blob of Zengors gets six attacks, which in Apocalypse speak means that that's six attacks hitting on eight pluses against a a wounding, I should say, on six pluses versus a knight. Well, eight plus, which is actually uh, no, that's eight, eight, eight plus against yeah, yeah, eight plus versus a knight, which is actually not bad mathematically speaking. I think it's bad. It's, I mean, it's a hell of a lot better than what they do in normal forty k. <laughs> well, they still get their reroll against characters, so that's mm-hmm. one part of it, right? Yep. Uh, Chaos I cultists. Think, I think these guys are the are the creme de la creme here, uh, because if you think about it. 
if I want to just be a really bad person that nobody ever invites me to come back and play APOC again, um, all I do is just take like 400 cultists. Um, and all I do is just drown the board in attacks. Because at 40, at 40, I have a power rating of 12. Yeah. Um, and so times 10 on that, that's 120, which means I've used not even half of my points on cultists. Uh, and I've just got loads and loads of attacks on the board. Um, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know how the morale plays into this, but I do know that like, when you're looking at APOC and the, and the way the attacks work, um, yeah, I'm only wounding on 10 up against, against armor, uh, but there's a chance. So, yeah. you know, I kind of feel like just having waves and waves of cultists is actually a viable strategy. And you're hitting on fours. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, horrors are in here because they're in the codex, I guess. Yeah. But, um, they seem kind of eh. Well, we can we can talk about... Let's skip over the demons because yeah. I think what they did is they put the demons in here similar to them putting them into the, yeah, the codex. codex. Mm -hmm. I've got the, we've also got the demons uh, statues that we can go through as well as the Chaos Knights. Uh, because I think there's some interesting things yeah. there. There's also the but, Chaos Titans. And the Titans. And we're going to get there because that's that's the really good stuff, right? Yeah. Um, Zangor Shaman is pretty much what we get in 40k, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing, no major departure there, I don't think. He's yeah, plus one to hit for Zangors. One attack, one wound. Yep. Scarab Occult Terminators. Um, pretty much in line with what we'd see on the Rubric Marines. Yeah, uh, they have double the wounds though, which is okay. They do, they do. That is, I think that's kind of how they're separating them out because yep. um, that. Well, that actually makes sense because at ten models they should have as many wounds as a twenty model Rubik Marine squad, right? Yeah. So, uh, so hmm. their weapons are actually pretty decent overall, sort of across the board. The uh, Hellfire Missile Rack, solid. Solar Per Cannon, solid. Even the uh, Inferno Combi Bolters with their times two attack stat is kind of interesting. Yeah. Although the 10 plus there, hold on. So the rubrics, did, the, did I just misread that? The rubric Marines have a 10 plus as well? Okay, so wait a second. Why do infernal bolt guns have a eight plus against tanks, but the scarab occult terminator inferno combi bolters have a ten plus against tanks? That's interesting. I don't have an answer for you there. Typo, maybe. That just seems stupid to me. Yeah, yeah, you you got to pay like twice the points for these guys. So more than why would that? It's a and it's a bolter. It's firing the same type of rounds as the other one. Yeah, uh, I I hope it's a typo. I feel um, like that's a typo, maybe. Yeah, that it should be an eight plus on that. But. Yeah. Uh, Hellbrute. So Mike, this was probably the one thing I saw 
that I liked more than anything else. Um, the, I'm going to jump right to it, the crazed ability. Uh, so what they changed, obviously, the fact that damage resolves at the end of the turn. Uh, you can have a bunch of damage assigned to a Hellbrute, and um, he, he basically could, um, like in 40k terms, be just blown off the board like they usually are. Uh, mm -hmm. But in the APOC rules, uh, what's great is for each blast marker that's actually on him, uh, he gets to roll a d6 uh, for any of them. And if any of them are a six, he gets to make an extra shot. Or, or fight. Fight. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, I, think, I think that's fantastic. And I also think that would be a really good adjustment in 40k with how many wounds they have they don't have that many wounds relative to the game mm -hmm. and if you were to basically say okay you have for each point of or each wound the hellbrood has lost in that phase you get to roll a d6 could you imagine how awesome craze would be on this <laughs> not, not like out of control but just like holy shit i need to take yeah. i need to start taking a hellbrood in my list Mm -hmm. <laughs> like go well, ahead and shoot him and the fear people would have in shooting them like I might piss that thing off <laughs> let me check something yeah so the uh, the Hellbrew the Hellbrew pretty much just kind of I think stats wise and has all his weapons and everything he, he pretty much comes in where where you kind of expect um, yeah <laughs> the one thing I've just noticed is that his armored feet actually has a, a worse attack profile than the rubric marine uh, close combat weapon. Yeah, that may, I'm starting to think that maybe the rubric marine. Uh, well, here's the other thing. I'm starting to think that the rubric marine bolt, infernal bolt gun is is the error, and that they wound on ten up and not mm -hmm. eight up. Because if you look at the power scourge, that thing wounds tanks on a nine up. And the hope root fist is on a six up. Yeah, and also. Oh wow! If the hope root fist wounds knights on threes, then I think what that is is the rubric marine bolter should be wounding or should be wounding tanks on tens. Yeah. Also, the rubric marine close combo weapons are better versus anti tank than the scarab occult terminators power weapons are. What? Yeah. Rubric Marines are 6'9", Escult Terminators are 6'10". What the hell did they do to Rubric Marines? I, I, well, clearly they jacked them up on Jujubees is what they did. <laughs> seriously, that is ridiculous. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Why would they have such stats out of whack like that? Look at Warp Flamers. Warp, warp Flamers wounding tanks on 10s. Like, it just... What the hell? I mean, if you really want to get angry about something, the Fate Caster Great Bows... Uh, are also worse than re, uh, oh, the uh, bolt guns. They're absolutely terrible. Thank you for bringing that up because that you was, are welcome. That is the next thing I was going to talk about is just the fact that why would I bring enlightened? Like Jesus, they are so bad in APOC. They lose their auto wounding. They just completely lose any kind of benefit at all. They're just zangors on discs. That's yeah. all they are now. It's uh. Not looking too hot. Sad state of affairs for those guys. Yeah. Chaos bomb. Uh, yeah. Actually pretty good. 
So I'm curious what terror troops are. My guess is it's just minus one to leadership mm -hmm. or something like that. But um, I don't know why. Just in the in the philosophy of speeding the game up, I don't know why they made it where you have to roll for the mutations per chaos one anymore. Um, in my opinion, what you would do is just roll that and all your chaos spawn mutate that way in the mm -hmm. game. That would have been so much better. Just from a, a game design perspective, um, they're obviously, I don't want to say dumbing the game down, but they're designing it to move quicker. And if I have to go yeah. chaos spawn by chaos spawn, if I'm going to take a bunch of chaos spawns and I have to roll a D6 on them or a D3 to find out what they, what they have for um, uh, their bonus, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be something I'm having to do on each chaos spawn. Just make it unique for all of them i mean like yeah. if you made if you made psychic power something i don't even have to roll for anymore like a card i throw down mm -hmm. which i'm fine with for the format of the game it's perfect do the same with chaos spawn like why waste yeah. my time on all that but mm -hmm. the mutilith i think improved yeah it actually seems pretty go solid i'm gonna go out on a limb and say i think he got better yeah the fact that they took the good things for his powers and condensed them down to that's all he gets, like it's kind of the the two and five options uh, from, or the, the other options from the codex are gone. Uh, and now it's plus one attack rather than minus one AP, mm -hmm. uh, which, which I like better. Yeah, I mean, Warp Flare is actually just legitimately good. Um, the oh, fact that absolutely. It just puts a blast marker next to each unit with a nine. Oh God, that's amazing! You just run that thing into combat, like literally advance and warp time that thing in there and go, ha ha! Take some blasts. Yeah, everything takes a blast. So definitely, I would invest in those if you're going to be playing Apoc a lot. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. Yep. Um, Let's see, Predator. Uh -oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, it's. Very much designed to take on vehicles. Uh, so five up to wound uh, anti-tank with the last cannons. Even the Predator auto cannons are just a very balanced gun. Yeah, you know, this is the irony. Like, I look at this and I think, uh, take the last cannon. Yeah. Take the last cannon, man. It's mm -hmm. way better. Um, yep. Way better than the... Um, because... You can either take the last cannon and the heavy bolters for the same power upgrade. Take four last cannons on this thing. This is the this is this is what's cool because it's different than 40k, where the last cannons are just completely overpriced. But when you make the auto cannon and the last cannon the same price all in one and the number of attacks you get, the last cannon hand down, hands down, is better here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're gonna have to fix some of these things. Actually, I'm catching typos the more I think about it. Yeah, you think like there's the, a lot of mistakes in here? Oh yeah. So, um, all right. So look at the go back to Scarab Colts because they're the big victims here. So yeah. you see how the Infernal Combi Bolters have uh, attacks times two. Yeah. No other missile weapon has a multiplier like that. Yeah. Well, what we can do is we can probably look at Chaos Space Marines because they have combi bolters over there and see what they did with them. Because in theory, they would have the same stat line as the yeah. uh, the Scarab Occults would just 
or something similar to that. I would True. Imagine. Because you don't have AP now, so I don't know what they do there. Mm -hmm. This might be what they're doing is just to get. Oh boy. Attacks, but. Just, uh, I guess moving on. A uh, somebody's finally going to get out uh, out of the dusty box. That is absolutely true because of the sh the seed shield on this thing. Well, that and the fact that it's got the destroyer keyword on its yes. demolisher cannon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm playing Iron Warriors. I have nine vindicators. Good luck. Jesus, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Yep. So yeah, vindicator. Yes. That's the way to go. Yes, I, I completely agree. Vindicator is very, very... And it moves 10 inches. Yep. It moves 10 inches. That's amazing. This that thing is, is awesome. This thing is awesome. I will definitely be bringing Vindicators. Mm-hmm. And uh, going down to the old redhead stepchild, the Chaos Land Raider. Yeah, not impressed. Not as good as the Vindicator. No, not... Not as good as the Vindicator. So you're telling me for a whole bunny, whole bunch of points less, I get pretty much the same thing and I don't need to transport anything. Yep. 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 Although the, um, let's see. Oh, that's cute. That was a good horn, horn blast in the background. Yeah. Can't do much about that. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. <laughs> so, Gotta... so the, the, um, uh, what was I looking at here? So it's hitting on threes. I'm looking at it versus the uh, the Vindicator. It's also hitting on threes. Or the Predator, my bad. So the Predator's also hitting on threes with yep. last cannon. So why, yeah, why would I take the, well, actually. I mean, mostly comes down to range, I think. And transport it's the same capacity. Range. Well, the, the Land Raider makes you take the last cannons, right? Yeah, you have four last cannons. For 13 points. Versus yeah. seven with the Predator, and you've got a better save. I think, actually, I could be convinced to take a bunch of la uh, Land Raiders, actually, just for the, um, for, the, for the last cannons. Yeah. But, but you also get some transport capacity, and you can hold some stuff. So you can put your Scarab Occults in them. Yep. That would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I, you know what? I actually, at first glance, yeah, the Land Raider looks bad, but... On second thought, I actually think it's not half bad at all. Uh, I can I can basically make a predator that transports stuff for a few more points. Yeah. Or what's the uh, let's see real quick. Let me just do some rough math. So a rhino is five points, and a predator is seven points. Predator is seven. Yes. Seven uh, nine so, if you give it the uh, two extra last cannons. All right, so it's essentially um, nine, fourteen. It's better. So for thirteen points with the Land Raider, you're getting a discounted combined version of a Predator and a and a Rhino combined that can transport Terminators. So in a way, Land Raiders are better. Yeah, in a way. Cool. Very cool. Well, Mike, you might want to talk about Defilers here because you love these things. I do love my Defiler. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, so effectively, at the start of each of its action phase, it removes a damage marker, which it only has three wounds, so it regenerates a third of its hit points every action phase. So unless they kill it, it's going to keep going, which is beautiful. Um, 
the battle cannon is still a battle cannon. Uh, it's very reliable weapon. Wounds on sixes versus everything. Um, 72 inch range, one shot. And really, all of the options on it are pretty solid. The um, Power Scourge gets a bit of a shout out because it's better than the Defiler Claws in every way. Uh, effectively, it doubles your attacks characteristic, wounds both infantry and tanks on five pluses, and is generally just awesome at everything forever. I am going to have to kit out a Defiler with a, a Scourge if I'm going to be using this particular format. Um, otherwise, five up save. Uh, good weapon choices. I, I really I like it what they do with it. The um, yeah, I think I feel like the trend I'm seeing is the stuff that we we kind of say is bad. Now I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because we have we haven't gotten to the rest of the demon engines, but yeah, um, he is hitting on fours. Uh, I, I feel like the trend here is that the stuff that's bad in 40k is actually okay or better in here in APOC, except for uh, terminators, except for terminators, which still suck. So, <laughs> they're still terrible yeah uh forge fiends yeah i i think they are terrible we'll, we'll move on they, they're basically the same thing as a defiler just not as cool I mean, uh, the ectoplasm cannon's pretty badass it does one it's one shot up. though yeah, but yeah it wounds reliably at least yeah i guess so although with the um actually yeah it does doesn't it it's better than the battle cannon yeah, and then uh, you can it has you can take three ectoplasm cannons, so that's three shots. Wow! Now, granted, okay. you're only hitting on fours, but uh, if you hit, you're going to reliably wound regardless of what you're shooting at. But we also don't know what like some of the command things might be. So yeah. one of the command cards might be, "Hey, Demon Forge, just like all your Demon engines reroll their hits." Yeah, you know something like that. So also, it's about half the cost of Defiler, so I, I wouldn't count it. Oh wow! Oh wow, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you're right. That defiler is defiler is almost as much as a land raider. Good God. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh Mauler Fiend. Uh pretty much same category. Yeah, Maybe same. not as good. It, like in an APOC game, I'm probably taking Forge Fiends. Yeah. I mean the Lasher Tendrils give it a good number of attacks. Uh so if you want to sweep infantry with it, it'd actually be pretty efficient. However, I don't think it's quite as good against uh, heavy targets as it is in normal 40k. Yeah, I just I feel like you're never going <clears> to <throat> in 40k. Yeah. There's so or in uh, APOC, there's so much on the table. Um, you know the the ability like Mauler fiends would be such a target. Uh, yeah. For, like tanks, like if I have my predators and stuff, those are like auto shots for that because I can take that out and then start focusing on the rest of their stuff. Mm -hmm. and I can move the rest of my army up. Yep. Yep. So the Rhino is nothing spectacular. Yeah. Though right? so looking at the combi bolter, I think that uh, we're probably right on the regards to the stats on the rubrics being incorrect. Right. Cause he's wounding tanks on 10 and it's only yeah. one attack. Although the combi bolter here is only one attack. Versus it's, the scare of occult terminators who have times two. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think that. I think there's some typos here. Yeah, there's some really goofy stuff here. That yeah. maybe maybe all they did is they just decided, hey, we're just going to tweak some stuff. But 
that there's some really goofy stuff happening here that I, I did not see these earlier until we start going through this just now. Yep. Uh, Hell Drake, these things are great, man. 10, 10 points and you got a thing that can get behind the lines, um, attack tanks, knock them off their platform, uh, attack flyers. Um, the uh, Heldrake claws are anti-air, but they, they do not wound reliably. No, only on tens. Um, although, we I, have we seen what the anti-air ability does? We have not, so it might make them just extremely efficient versus air targets. Uh, so judging on the fact that it's a 10 plus for, for wounding tanks with the claws, I'm mm. willing to bet that what anti-air does is either does something like, hey, you get plus two to wound against um, flyer, or you get to reroll all hits and wounds against flyers if it's anti, mm-hmm. something like that. And that would, um, I think that would, yeah, that would help considerably. 40k. But yeah. all right, so the creme de la creme, big red, uh, the old one eye, <laughs> the old one eye gentleman himself. Yep. Uh, Magnus Whoops. looks some. Dude, he looks amazing. Clocking in at 22 points with four <laughs> wounds and a five-up save. Save. He stares at people and kills them dead. He's Jesus, look at the stats on that. <laughs> so to everyone who's uh, listening at home, uh, they gave him a back gaze of Magnus as an 18-inch uh, two-attack heavy destroyer weapon that hits and w- w- wounds everything on sixes. Yep. It has the destroyer word, so it always drops uh, large blasts. Effectively, if he looked at you, you die. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, <laughs> He's like the head of Medusa, uh, basically. <laughs> in, in addition, he also has uh, Aramon's Master Psyker rule, so you get yep. to just go in and pull out a card you want. Yep. And he has Primark of the Thousand Suns, so you reroll all hit and wound rolls within Thank nine you. inches. Thank he you, W ridiculous like this has never made any sense to me why magnus doesn't give reroll hits and wounds to everything around them this this is totally what his stat line should be in 40k something like this yeah i i can definitely every weekend it's amazing that, that is amazing what they've given him here it is uh, he moves stupid fast he gets a good he gets two attacks with his blade of magnus which yeah. hits on twos, wounds on fours or fives with the destroyer keyword. So again, he just obliterates whatever he touches. Pretty much. This he looks is amazing. At, looks at whatever and just goes, okay, you're dead. And you're yes. dead. So again, it's very important. You can only include one of this model in your army. <laughs> but it doesn't say that multiple armies can't bring Magnus the Red. So you could be facing three or four Magnus the Reds. Well, that just breaks suspension of disbelief, though, and any good uh, apocalypse organizer would uh, veto that. No, I'm sorry, but Kairos would probably have a sit-down with you, Mike, and say, tell me why <laughs> this can't be happening right now. <laughs> Is it because you don't believe? <laughs> that brings back memories. Uh, one, I played a game once where we had seven Dantes on the table. Four of them died to a single volcano cannon blast. It was beautiful. Uh, I think David.exe just stopped working. My bad. <clears throat> well, re- reset that sheet. We've got like three more of these data sheet things to go through. All right. Oh, well, these are great. So 
Um, on that point, we should probably take a look at demons. Uh, if you insist, I was looking at the Titanicus stuff because no, let's save that for last. Let's save that for last because I think that I think the Titans are amazing. Okay, uh, Dad. <laughs> gotta talk about demons now. All right. Well, we only got to talk about Scarbrand and the fact that he hates traffic. Scarbrand hates traffic. <laughs> So he adds one to all attacks for oh well here's here's what's great so now this is getting into like light and heavy units uh, yeah. he adds plus one attacks to all light and heavy units uh, while they're making fight actions within six inches so you get plus one attack in combat um, his normal forty k rule is you also can't fall back uh, light and heavy units can't fall back when they're in uh, six inches yes notably it does not include Magnus in this instance that does not Magnus, Magnus can just walk away he resists that peer pressure is he oh because he's he's, a he's super, super heavy, heavy. <laughs> there is no hiding for Magnus no he is uh, the ground shakes beneath his uh, his feet yep. Well, uh, Scarbrand's awesome. Um, oh, I love Scarbrand. His uh, one of his weapons says Destroyer. If you want to kill big things, or he has Slaughter. If you want to kill everything else, <laughs> Pretty, I wonder what Inferno is. Is if it's like one attack for each unit within range or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, they haven't disclosed that one yet. Yeah, but uh, he does look pretty awesome. Although he has fifteen points, and the poor guy just still cannot fly. No, he cannot. No. Nope. Uh, the Bloodthirster of Incessant Rage. Um, he's pretty much there if you just want the destroyer part of Scarbrand uh, without yep. the fallback part. Um, although at the power level point, uh, the power level issue, like, I think I take Scarbrand all day long. Yeah. No, the, which is Bloodthirster doesn't move faster. Eh, not by a lot, though. It's only four inches. Yeah. Um, Bloodthirster of Wrath. Uh, he's pretty much is very much a mixed bag. Uh, I think Scarbrand does his job better. I agree. Uh, this guy is technically better at killing characters. He does get a bonus, so he gets the Zengor Relic Hunter rule, basically. Yep. So if he attacks a character, you reroll all failed hits. Mm hmm. Um, the unfettered fury version of the bloodthirster which is classic bloodthirster with the this whip is classic and the axe is sort of a mixed bag I think that uh, Scarbrand's probably better at what this guy I, does I agree I think we see and, a lot of Scarbrand like, in APOC unless I'm missing something uh, I don't know why you'd ever use the lash of corn since you have the axe of corn Unless you can, like, get a bonus attack or something. Well, the Lashicorn is the ranged attack. Yeah, but it also has a melee profile. Right, so you can you can go in and shoot. The other the other Bloodthirsters don't... Oh, well. They have no, they, they all have the Hellfire. Wow. Uh, the Incessant Rage... Oh, is this Rage doesn't? No. He is 100% just kill knights. Here, choppy, choppy. Choppy, choppy, smash bash. Yep. Um, Skull Taker has the Slayer Sword. Uh, he also has the Zangor rule. I'm just going to hear for call it the Zangor rule, which is the reroll hits against characters. 
Yep, and uh, he has the Locust, which has one to hit rolls for attacks made by Bloodletter units blood within eight inches. Yes, yes. Just, uh, so your lovely new Skulltaker model that just came out. He hits on twos, so that's good. But he's yep. like any other character. He's just light, one wound. Yep. He's but okay. Master looks like he's real similar, um, although he gives the plus one... Uh, to wound rolls wound to uh, and Demon units. Ooh, okay. It's actually so pretty now, solid. So now it gets interesting because now you actually have a reason to bring both Skulltaker and Bloodmaster. Yes. And then Skullmaster. Which is the one on a mount? Or is he the one on the... No, yeah. he, is, he is not on a mount at all. He, Skullmaster... Yeah, he is. He's got the bladed horn. He's, he rides the Blood Crusher. But I guess he maybe that's what he does. Yeah. But he's okay. Yeah, that makes sense. He's power level three versus two mm-hmm. on the Bloodmaster. So he's I guess I guess I would probably bring Skullmaster just so that I can get some extra movement. Yeah. Uh the Blood Throne, uh, which is the this this is that new um Yeah, it's the like motorcycle looking thing. That is also the um <laughs> No, I, I kid you not. If you've ever built one of these things, it looks like a freaking chaos motorcycle. I kind of want to like mod one up with the demon prints on it to make it a uh, a doom rider okay. conversion. But uh, it's uh, it also makes the skull cannon. But um, yep. Okay, so for each blast marker he plakes, places next to a unit, he's going to gain a blast marker back. But he only has two wounds, so it's not. Yeah, in my well, effectively, opinion, it allows him to. Like the defiler. Yeah, but if, if, effectively, though, if you. Um, it's not as good as the defiler, but effectively allows him to trade very reliably. Yeah. Now, one thing on this that's really interesting is that it says that small blast markers must be removed before yes. large blast markers. Um, so that that's actually going to factor in. Like if you hit something with a very big weapon, uh, they've kind of thought about the fact that, Hey, I could start pulling blast markers off. Well, mm-hmm. the, the, the really high damage stuff needs to kind of yeah. come last there. So, uh, space doggy, space corn doggy. Uh, he is, or Karnak, um, obviously got his psychic disruption. Um, yep. So, if you're going to manifest a psychic power on a four plus, it's just completely denied. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but you can only use it or deny the witch, not both at the same time. That's fair. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he uh, at the, he gets to nominate characters to get bonuses towards to his hit and wound rolls. Um, so it's like a lesser version of the heralds that we had before. Yeah, which it's always been sort of his role as hunting characters down and eating them with his soul-rending things. <clears throat> Although he, in a way, he couldn't actually be better um, because he's giving plus one hit and wound. And that would stack uh, with everything else. Like, But it's only to himself. Oh, by this unit, yeah. My yeah. bad. My bad. I thought that was uh, pick a unit. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's okay. I forgive you. Oh, well. Oh, well. All right. Well, getting to proper models in here, we've got a Kairos 
Fate Weaver himself. Uh, mm-hmm. The the not the master of all birds, but certainly a, a prominent bird of birds. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's actually, I mean, stat wise on his attacks, he's very much middle of the road. Is what a coin toss to wound against anything in the game. Um, but uh, he has three special rules, one of which you'll likely share with other birds. But, he really uh, one, likes Infernal Gateway. He, he really does. likes Infernal Gateway. But uh, so his first, the uh, one head has witnessed the past. Once for battle, at the end of the damage phase, you can look through your command asset discard pile and draw the Infernal Gateway command asset card and add it to your hand. And then you have Visions of the Future which once per battle at the start of an action phase, you can look through your command <laughs> deck and draw Gaze of Fate from your hand and add it to your hand. Very fluffy. I like it. Yeah. Those are great rules on there. Although I would I would really like his smite to be supercharged somehow and just call it capitalism. Huh. Like against Grey Knights, your smite does 3d6 you know, mm-hmm. wounds or blast markers or something like that. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Aside from that, he doesn't do too much that's too crazy. He does, although it is interesting, they've brought back Witchfire, and we've seen this on Magnus's uh, mm-hmm. Gaze of uh, Gaze of Magnus's Witchfire. Uh, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what they say there. Um, his attack wounds pretty damn well against whatever he's shooting. It's sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a 30-inch range, so he can pretty much walk around zapping stuff. Yep. So, like, so uh, pretty solid across the board. Yeah, um, actually, I kind of feeling that the special characters are going to be seeing more play than the generic versions, unlike a normal 40k, just because of all the special things that they bring to the table. Yeah, I think I think that's the kind of the theme we're seeing here. Because yeah, um, like the like, uh, uh, Lord of Change here, um, he has the orange fires of Zinch, because we all know Zinch is a fan of orange. Um, yeah, which. Uh, is just a lesser ranged version and a weaker version of what Kairos has yeah. in terms of a uh, witch fire. Uh, mm-hmm. Now he does get the ability to take a couple of weapons. Like he can take the rod of sorcery. He can also take a baleful sword. Yeah. Um, but I mean, baleful sword just wounds a little bit like, better against personnel, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, which but, really, if you look at it though, he's even regardless if you, which upgrade you take, he's still not going to be as good as Kairos. No, no, not at all. Um, except for the weapon skill department, because Hyros does not like close combat. Yep. yep. Now, uh, my favorite guys in the entire game are the Blue Scribes. Um, these two little charlatans. <laughs> uh, these guys basically let you... Um, uh, now, I don't like the fact that their ability is the same as in 40k, basically, uh, where on a 4+, plus, um, they make you discard a command asset, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is cool, uh, but for 12 inches, it's just give them give them more range to that. Like give them 24 inches or something like that, or 18 inches, kind of like uh, some of the assassins. They they're they're on the verge of like being really good, but they're not. You know, then it's that range that always gets in the way of that. So yeah. Oh well. Uh, the change caster. Um, he's he's okay. You get plus one to wound for Siege Demons. Uh, yeah. That's kind of in line with the Bloodmaster, I think, that we saw mm-hmm. before, where he gives plus one to wound. Yeah. 
nothing spectacular on his attacks. He can take a staff of change, um, and the staff of change just basically lets him wound personnel on nines instead of tens. Not sure why you wouldn't ever do that. Um, yeah, I don't the, know. The Fate Skimmer is the the chariot version of this. Yes. Uh, of the Herald. And does the exact same thing. Just has an yeah. extra wound. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Flux Master, which is the disc version. So they're all five points if you take them on foot, but it's plus one to take them with a disc or or with the chariot. And I think the chariot is probably the way to go because you get a bonus attack and a bonus wound. Or sorry, not a bonus attack. You get a bonus wound to try and keep them alive. Yeah, the, the big difference there, though, is so the chariot is a heavy character, whereas the flux master and the change caster are light characters. Ah, so I wonder if their rules for characters in APOC are going to be something along the lines of... Like light heavy. can block for light, but you need heavy to block for heavy, something like that? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe just heavy can be targeted altogether. Like heavy characters yeah. can be targeted and light characters cannot. Yeah. The one thing that I guess to point out is um, all of the Zinch units do have the Psyker keyword, except for the Blue Scribes. And so you can use them to channel your Zinch stratagems that are like Psychic Powers. Right. Right, because um, the the blue scribes are basically just trying to steal powers from everybody. Yeah. That's their goal. Um, we also have, so we've got Rodigus and the Great Unclean one. Um, those guys look like they are. Okay, so they ignore damage on a six. Ooh, ignore damage on a six up. So this looks like the Feel No Pain. Yeah, so effectively, whenever you'd apply a blast marker to them, you roll a dice on a six plus, it's not applied. Was how it was explained earlier. Meaning a D6 on a six up, right? Yes. Because this is what's going to get confusing is when when it's a six up, how do I know whether it's a. um, Yeah, um, so I think the the rules specify when you use each dice. Um, Just unfortunately, we don't have access to the full rule set yet. Yeah. And so that's what leads to some of the conclusion. The rules for ignore damage are probably where the uh, the, the key is. Now, I feel yeah. like looking at these rules, Mike, I feel like it's very much the designers of 7th edition were writing the rules for this, where they are writing all these like keyword common rules that are shared by a bunch of stuff. And it's kind of like, well, I got to go look this up in this other place. And it's like, just, you've got plenty of room. Just write it right there. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Um, which personally, I actually like that particular type of rules writing. Uh, most because once you know all of the common abilities, you don't need to look up what. Effectively, you don't have to constantly reference what it does. Sure, although it may, it makes for a lot of bookkeeping, which it does. If you think about it from an APOC game, that's just going to defeat the purpose of trying to save all the time by simplifying the rules, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, well. So we got uh, the great unclean one. He's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he uh, lets you generate extra command assets if you does. give him the Bioblade, which is uh, pretty potent in this uh, particular rule set. Does not wound quite as good. His Plague Fail does, but his 
his Bioblade does not wound quite as good as Kairos. So yeah. far, looking at everything, the best wounding thing in the game has actually been Kairos. Uh, actually, oh, so the Bile Sword is a 5-6. Right, but the, the Great Axe of Corn is a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. I don't think I've seen anything better than that yet. We'll probably see better than that yeah. when we get to the, the Titanic. Yeah. The, the reason why you want to use the Bile Blade, though, is that that's what gives you the extra command asset. So effectively, you're trading right. in uh, the ability to kill things for extra cards. Right. Gotcha. And he can summons light nur Nurgle units. That, that's fun. Summon light Nurgle. Oh, so that's also the other fun thing is I completely forgot about summoning. Completely forgot about it. And that will probably... Uh, probably have to wait and see kind of what the rules look like around that and how you summon versus how summoning is done in 40k. Yeah, which I'm glad that some units do still have the ability um, because it is a very a sort of iconic um, portion yeah. of the game. Summoning seems like it would be something that would be um, pretty cool if they just kind of set it up on like a per unit basis as like an ability rather than something that like all characters get and that kind of makes you have to like if you want to do summoning you you take certain units yeah though it actually looks like the way that summoning works for him looking at it a little more in depth is that it heals nearby Nurgle demon units within seven inches yeah which is not bad um, again it's just a the Great Akuma just has a, a glut of options mm -hmm. um, that each of them applies their own sort of bit of utility. Uh, I yeah, actually like what they're really flexible. Them. You can take a bunch yeah. of them with Nurgle, Nurgle Demons. Mm -hmm. uh, Epidemius. Uh, yeah, pretty much what you'd expect. They get a, they get the uh, the tally. Uh, yeah, and the important thing here is it's not relying on you doing anything. It's just the longer he's on the table, mm -hmm. the more stuff you get. Which is pretty cool. Which is like on turn one, you're not going to get any effect, but after that, you'll get stuff like plus one attack and eventually plus two to wound rolls. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. The longer you're in battle with Nurgle, the less likely you are to win. Yeah. Uh, or Horticulus Slamux, the uh, this snail, isn't it? Yep, Snail Man. I love Snail Man. <laughs> yeah. But it looks like he's, he buffs Beasts of Nurgle. Yep, that's what it was always one of his big things is that he um, he does not have the ability to summon trees. No, um, no trees. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I mean, in APOC game, if you had like five of these guys out on the table, that would be annoying as hell. Well, he is unique, so you can only include one of him. But, right, but you could put, essentially, if you think about it, you can summon as many trees as you want. Yep. So you can essentially build a wall of trees. All right, all right good luck. Hope you have fly. <laughs> yeah. That would be dumb. That would be Sorry. awesome. That's that's my horrible dumb Brit part of my brain talking. My bad. Uh, Poxbringer looks uh, pretty much like any other Herald that we've talked yeah. about so far. Nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, Sloppity Bile Piper, pretty much. Pretty much the same thing. Um, Give me a plus uh, one to Nurgling and Great Unclean Ones, but... Um, yeah, and um, we also still let you do the two dice for morale tests and yep. discarding the uh, one you don't want. 
Uh, looks like Scrivener also does the same thing he does. Mm -hmm. um, plus one attack and extra movement. He doesn't have anything too crazy for his attack. It's plus one to hit rolls. Uh, yeah, sorry, my bad. Plus one to hit rolls. And then yeah. Bellacor. Uh, ye old Bellacor. Uh, so he should be pretty good. Actually, he looks like came out pretty decent here. Um, his sword is fives and sixes. He's got two attacks, two wounds. He's a heavy monster, a character. And uh, he adds one to all hit rolls for demon units within six. Add, and yeah. he has stealth. Yeah, whatever, whatever that stealth does. is. Yeah. And he's yeah. scared. I wonder if stealth, well, I don't know. I have no idea what stealth is. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and find out. That's right. Uh, demon Prince of Chaos. Uh, looks pretty much like our demon princes, although it's got all the literature around. If you take a certain god as your your mark, you get your your yeah. deal with that. Um, you can take your wings, and he gets the reroll ones. Um, that pretty much, if you take a demon prince of chaos, you're taking them as a as like a little beat stick. Yeah, and corn uh, uh, adds one to its wound roll, so he wounds on fives. Yeah, that would be pretty nice. That yeah, because he just has demonic weapons. That's all he mm -hmm. has. Uh, blood letters are the first troop choice that we are looking at. Wow! Holy shit! These things are awesome. It's scary. I mean, they, their saves are garbage, but they I get mean, sixteen attacks. But, yeah, on a, a thirty-man block, getting sixteen attacks, hitting on threes, wounding on fives. That's gonna holy, wipe holy a unit. Shit. Holy shit. I mean, that's just... That's awesome. Good fucking God, that's a lot of attacks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, horrors. Uh, they... They, they do don't have the psyker keyword. They do, but they, they don't have quite as many attacks as bloodletters. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we can't all be bloodletters. <laughs> sorry. Though I do see something kind of weird here. They go from two to four to seven. Evidently, that extra 10 smuggled in an extra pink horror or something. Yeah, might as well, right? Yeah, though it's actually uh, well, this, worthy to note. It's horrors, not pink horrors or blue horrors or it's brimstones. Just horrors. It's just yes. a horror unit. Yes, and so. they don't have split. They didn't put any of that crap in there. So yep. it just mix them up, take whatever you want. They're all horrors. Yep. So, um, that, uh, Although... The the cool thing is is they wound pretty good against personnel. Actually, they yeah. wound. If I'm reading this right, let me take a look at the. Um, I'm just going to refer back to our rubric marines since they were completely foobarred from what from what it sounds like. Uh, rubric marines bolt guns are six eight right. They are a six eight. So therefore the horrors are seven seven nine. nine. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, although that still doesn't make sense for the damn Scarab Occult. Those things are still off and mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on there, Land. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got the Keeper of Secrets. Hell, Keeper is, of Secrets. Just randomly thrown in with the troops here. That's kind of weird. That is kind of odd. Yeah. But um, uh, overall, I mean, it's about what I expected. Move stupid fast. Decent number of attacks. Yeah. Uh, doesn't hit hard like the uh, uh, 
bloodthirster, but it's yeah. still a very potent close combat threat. Um, has a couple of different things it can do. He's not as fast as Magnus. He is not as fast as Magnus. No, no one's as fast as Magnus. He's the fastest, fastest uh, in the galaxy, right? Uh, you know what? He is from Space Brisbane, so <laughs> you know, he's pretty fast. Uh, the mask is, uh, let's see, pretty much your looks like a herald. I mean, that's exactly what she is. But um, she actually has two auras, which are uh, work very well to make your demon your, your celestial units hit harder, and also protect them. Yes, that second one is really good. Uh, minus yeah. one to hit to everything within six. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Or so, demon, just demonettes, though. It's yes. Not anything else that's slash demons. Yeah, um, but a pretty good unit. Um, regular herald. It's kind just a normal herald. Kind of boring in comparison. So getting back to regular troop choices. Uh, <laughs> that was an odd intermission. This intermission is brought to you by Fulgrim. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Endless Indeed. Pursuit for Perfection. Mm. Uh, you forgot us. Uh, play well, they're fashionably late is what it was. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Plague Bears uh, are about what I'd expect. Um, the only cool thing they get is that cloud of flies if they have 30 models uh they're always obscured which i'm sure does something maybe minus one to hit yeah something uh nurgling uh so it sounds like their ability to um be deployed up field is what has been converted into something called infiltrators yeah um they have a couple wounds apiece. They don't have their special ability against like one wound damage and stuff like that. So they do have, just have flat out ignore damage though, uh, yep. which is the same rule that every other Nurgle unit seems to have. So, so they seem good if you wanted to get up in front and screen. Yeah, screen off some stuff. Yeah, fiends are um, wow. You, so you can take them up to nine models. Uh, Zinch would yeah. be pleased with this. Um, uh, Four wounds if you take them with nine models? That seems sort of odd. That is sort of odd. So you could take either nine one-model units of fiends for nine wounds, or you could take nine model a nine-model unit of fiends and get four wounds. All right. We the math on that here. seems a little weird. Hold on here. So at three models, you're at a five-power rating. All right, so the math holds out better to take the big squad then, right? Uh, okay, so three models is five, nine. Yes, uh, effectively, you should take the larger squads, even though it looks weird. Yeah. Because if you're it, just from comparing the, the scale from one to three, uh, that would be nine points versus five points to get the essentially mm -hmm. the same thing. Yeah. But why they did one, three, six, and nine? Uh, I think oh, it's to represent it you losing models, maybe? No, I'll tell you what it is. It's oh, yeah? they only sell fiends in groups of three. Yes, but why do they have a unit thing for one if you have to take three? Well, because Wait. the only way you can have one oh, oh, is one is a box for three. of three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, got, got it. I understand now. Yeah. 
that's weird anyways uh so they still have their normal sort of shenanigans they can cause psychic backlash effectively if people cast powers near them uh you roll a d12 if the result is greater they're equal to the leadership of the casting unit bad things happen to the caster yeah um and then infantry uh can i have cannot fall back from this gives me flashbacks to last year when i when i had fiends attacking my rubric marines it was very bad. yeah it was very bad so pretty solid unit uh, overall flesh hounds are actually pretty dang good looking uh, yeah they shred they infantry oh yeah they do and they also have a uh, psychic disruption like karenak has mm-hmm yeah, so very reliable anti-psyker there. Uh, screamers are looks like similar. Uh, they actually get more wounds and more attacks, uh, and have a better save. And they have a better save. That's right. And but they, they don't also do as good, but they are better against tanks. So if you want to take yeah. tank stuff, wow, you're wounding on six ups with uh, with screamers. They they could have. A, could have yeah, a roll. So it actually looks like the actual role with screamers is you want to do slash attacks against infantry and you want to do their actual attacks against tanks and stuff. That's absolutely correct. Um, so that kind of meets their, if you think about it, that kind of meets their kind of role in the fluff where they're these mm-hmm. like, screaming demons that fly over the infantry and just kind of drag their drag their hooks and everything and claw at them while they, they go and attack the uh, the tanks or the, the heavy armor. Yeah. Uh, Plague drones, which I'm a big fan of in 40k. Uh, they look okay. They're really good against personnel. Okay against tanks. Yeah, they seem solid Tough, to me. Good amount of wounds. Yeah. No, I don't think it's a lot of attacks, but I mean, it's not blood letters. So far, blood letters have blown me away. Like blood yeah. letters, blood letters right now are screaming like take a hundred of them and just just like spam blood letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, seekers. Uh, they actually get a ridiculous number of attacks. Uh, 12 attacks yeah. on a unit of 20. Holy shit. Actually, on a unit of 20, if you use your piercing, piercing claws, you have 24 attacks, not 8. What? Look at them. No, no, it's, it's times 3. Yeah, but they have 4 attacks. Oh, I'm looking at wounds. My bad. Wrong column there, but... Wrong column. Yeah, but uh, 12 attacks, a hitting on 3s, wounding on 7s or 9s uh, is very solid. Yeah, we haven't beaten blood letters yet, though. No, so, no, no. Uh, hey, we finally found the demonettes. The, with the demonettes, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Literally have the same 20, profile as Seekers uh, attack-wise. 21 attacks, yep. Versus, no, they have 21. Yeah, yeah, but the weapon profile is the same. Sure. So you're trading speed for more attacks. That's absolutely true. Um, let's see, and just reminding us, blood letters were... <laughs> Eight attacks at times two at 16. So demonettes are actually more attacks than um, bloodletters. Yes. Okay. I'm starting my Slenish army tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be ready for APOC this weekend. Uh, you betcha. Hey, Space Cowboys. 
<laughs> Space Cowboys. I mean, <laughs> they ride giant like dog bulls. They look yeah. like they're having a great time. But so Blood Crushers actually look pretty good in this. Um, they have a good number of wounds, a the best save of any demon we've seen so far that isn't a demon prince, and get a good number of attacks. Uh, twenty-four attacks with their bladed horns, or yeah, like why with their blades? I guess if I'm attacking personnel, I use the hell blades. But if everything else, uh, like tanks and whatever, isn't personnel, uh, I'm using the yeah, bladed horns. The, mm-hmm. Seems very solid, especially because of the support you can get from the characters. Yep. Um, I'm now sort of starting to understand a little bit why the numbers don't seem as good, is because every detachment has to have a, a warlord, mm-hmm. and um, that would be why. Uh, flamers, I'm actually disappointed in. Uh, I'm disappointed in flamers. They don't get enough attacks. No, they don't. Not at all. Especially compared to how they are on tabletop. One of those, I think, is meant to be like times. Unless Inferno does something funky. It's got to. It's got to. Yeah. Um, Exalted Flamers look like they're in the same category. Um, they are light infantry. Yep. So, or, um, but they are not character. They're not a character. So you can snipe them out. Uh, Beast of Nurgle, nothing <laughs> crazy here. They get a they get a lot of attacks actually. They get one attack per model. Yep. Um, and they're one point per model. So holy shit! Actually, these dudes could be really really point efficient. Yes. The fact that it's one power level per model that you're bringing. If I'm reading this right. Or well, except three. for. Yeah, it gets a little janky at the higher power levels because if you see like jumping from three to six, you actually just magically gain three extra power level, a power rating. Kind of weird. Yeah. It might have something to do with how the wounds are done. So it feels like it would be a lot better to just bring a bunch of bunch of uh, units of three would probably be your your best bet. Yeah, because I'm losing points going up to three. Yeah, again, unless there's something funky about the wounds totals and how damage is calculated. It's the These only thing that comes to mind. probably be really good to fill out detachments. Would be. Yeah. We'll probably see these guys in a bunch of lists just for the fact that they're one power level uh, a piece and they fill out a detachment squad and you can take mm-hmm. them into a unit of one if you want to. Yeah, so like they're super efficient. Three beasts plus Reticulix. <laughs> yeah, sure. There you go. Yeah. But uh, uh, moving on to the Hellflare. Ah, we're getting into the fast attacks. Yep. Uh, which I actually like the Hellflare. Uh, it's a pretty cool model. And it looks pretty awesome uh, in this. Except its base attack profile is kind of wimpy. So I'm, I'm curious how this is going to work out. So like Hellflayers are making things that they have like five different models sort of super glued to a single model and so <laughs> i'm wondering how this works out with like the demonette riders and then the lashing tongues and the blade of the axle and the lashes of torment like do you just pick one of those or do you wind up 
uh, making effectively one profile attack, one, one set of attacks for each weapon, um, which will really decide the worth of this unit. From the look of it right now, it looks like you just get one attack, right? Yeah, which if that's the case, the health layer is not very good. No, not at all. Yep. Uh, Furies. Uh, the yes, by the way, Furies still exist in 40k. They uh, do. <laughs> I've never seen one on the table. Uh, but uh, <laughs> apparently, for for two power level, you get uh, five models. Yep. That's uh, basically pretty dang good, actually. Uh, point for point with a nine up save. Mm -hmm. um, and if you take them as corn furies, you'll get an additional attack with them. That's uh, so you add one to wound rolls. Or sorry, my bad. Yeah, you keep making that mistake. You start paying attention today. <sighs> yeah, I'm not. It's uh, awful. Skull, can Skull cannon is power level six attacks. Uh, <laughs> power level six with two attacks. That's, that was my bad, bad jokeal. Frodeal didn't slip there. Yeah, it was just Wish a listing. That's what it was. My bad. Yeah, so it shares the gore feast rule that the HQ version does, and has the skull cannon, which is now an anti-tank gun. It is instead it of is. an anti-infantry gun. It's actually really good against tanks. It is forty-eight inch range. <laughs> Hits on threes, wounds on fives. Wounds on fives. That's really good. Uh, burning chariot. Wounds on sixes. It healing, does wound on sixes. Not in ranged. Wait, you have that backwards. In ranged, it wounds on sixes. In melee, it wounds on tens. Well, sixes against personnel, but tanks. I'm I'm thinking from when oh, we were talking oh, okay. about uh, the skull cannon there, and the fact that it wounds against fives against mm -hmm. tanks, since it became an anti-tank gun. Um, the burning chariot, where it has, if you think about it, it acts a lot of times like a las cannon. Yeah so much in ABOC? Not so much. No. Again, though, we don't know what Inferno does, so... Yeah, it's got to do something. Like I, You know what the thing I could see it doing is it, for each model in the unit you attack, you get a D6. And it, yeah. Or a, do a D12. Like but yeah. Or that. Or that. Yeah, sure. Uh, Seeker Chariot. Yeah, again, just like Seekers, kind of seems like it, a little lackluster, I guess. It's just one attack, one wound. Yeah. Well, the the Who's secrets like, are good, but yeah, the hell strider was the hell thing. Hell flare was kind of bad. And I think the, I think both of the uh, celestial chariots are going to suffer from similar issues. Uh, exalted seeker. Yep. Just a little bit better version of the seeker chariot. Yep. It gets an extra attack. It gets an extra wound. For four extra power rating. All right. So the one unit that is probably one of the worst units in the game right now, the Soul Grinder, has it gotten better in any way, shape, or form? Uh... I'm going to vote no. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Oh, wow. Actually, no, this thing's great. All right, okay. So, take a Zinch Soul Grinder. It has a, effectively a two up save. Okay. Um, and then give it the, uh, it has the Harvester Cannon, the Flame Bombardment, and the Iron Claw, all that junk. So, effectively, it 
does good against infantry with the flim bombardment or it okay versus uh tanks the harvester cannon still just sort of a eh, whatever throwaway weapon but the iron claw wounds on force yeah versus uh armor and the warp sword which it also has wounds on fours versus a uh infantry Okay, granted. So it sounds like it did get a little bit of an upgrade versus the Defiler. Yes. Where the Defi- so it's kind of been brought up to like where the Defiler is. So the Defiler right now sits at a five up save. Yeah. And if you make it corn instead, you yeah. wound on threes. Yeah. Although I still you know, this thing is what, uh power level twelve versus the defiler, which is power level eleven. Power level, yeah. And the Defiler has three attack space, three wounds, and the Def- Soul Grinder has two attack space and three wounds. Yeah, I think I that... Think it's kind of relying on the auras to, to make that thing good. Yes, I think the Soul Grinder needs more support. However, I, I think that also sort of fills a different role than the Defiler does. Um, Defiler's a little tankier and is better versus infantry, whereas the Soul Grinder is just... It, it's, it kills things dead. That's what it does. Yeah. Um, not much to it other than that. Yeah, that's true. That I mean, the four-up wounding with the Iron Claw is amazing. That's yeah. I, I don't think we've seen much better. I mean, even the uh, even the Bloodthirster was wounding on fives, if I recall. Yeah. So, uh, the trees, they are in the game. They are three power level to bring them. Uh, it is treated as an obstacle. Ooh. Which. Uh, does something i'm sure i guess i guess that's kind of like what it does in 40k yep uh oh yeah so it effectively has a coin flip to place blast markers uh next to non-nurgle units that walk near it right on a on a d12 it's an eight up which is probably the equivalent of about a five up four up no it's a five up it's a little so it's, the odds are slightly better than a four up, but oh, oh, worse than a four up, but better than a five up. Yeah. And uh, then overall, it's not like, bad. If I'm if I'm guessing what the whole obscured thing is, uh, it's probably also giving um, neural demons or light neural demons a minus one to hit within seven inches. Something like that. Yeah. So whatever the obscured, uh, whatever that obscured. Uh, effect actually is yeah and we've got the corn uh the corn terrain feature uh which is basically giving plus one attacks uh if you put a light corn demon infantry character it's uh, a lot of keywords yeah it is a lot of keywords if you garrison it with that unit which I, I assume that's the same as in 40K where you put that in a certain spot on the, on the terrain feature. You mm-hmm. get plus one attack to all your corn demons within six inches, uh, which is eh, pretty nice. Um, not, not amazing, but you know, yeah. pretty nice. Kind of a cool thing to bring along. Yeah, but like parking next to an objective and uh, just let the buffs fly. Yeah, pardon this interruption, Mike, but uh, uh, Fulgrim would like to tell us about Shalaxi Hill next. Oh, God. 
Uh, so I don't yeah, know this, what happened? Who put this together? But no, all of the new characters are like this. Uh, if you scroll down, there's a whole bunch of them. Oh God. Yeah. So Selexi Hellbane is just generally pretty awesome. Uh, much like the regular Keeper of Secrets, stupid fast, hits reliably, two attacks, three wounds. Um, really, I think of the characters, the this is the first one I've run into that just isn't better than the generic version. Effectively, well, Shalaxi is better at like assassinating characters and can get ignores damage from the shield. But I, yeah, so that, here's the thing, though. It, as, as much as he doesn't, he doesn't buff everything else, he himself is actually pretty strong because yeah. he's got the ignore damage and he's also got a minus one to hit against him. Yeah. Um, and then but on only top of that, he's weapons. Gonna, yeah, well, okay, okay. Yeah, so he, effectively he runs into like a fight with a Gilliman and just murder stabs him to death. And that, that's his job, is to I'm sort of hunt not. down other uh, yeah. big characters. Yeah, that melee, that me, you're right. That melee part is, uh, that's a killer. Um, the changeling looks like he's pretty much just like the changeling. He can fight like the changeling. Um, it, it's pretty much just going to be dependent on what you fight with him. Uh, if they have a very good weapon, you want to fight him. Uh, he's only got one attack, one wound. Um, Move six, and he also gives that six up feeling of pain uh, to everything. Yep, within nine inches. And then we have the hybrid demon herald thing that Selenish has, uh, Celesk. Uh, yeah. Two wounds, uh, basically looks kind of like a demon prince, uh, all in all. Uh, actually, yeah. has the demon prince keyword. Yeah, it actually um, affects me. You have a Herald of Sunesh riding a Demon Prince. So it gives you plus one to wound and plus and reroll ones to hit. Pretty good. It's pretty yeah. damn good. Although, if you think about it, 14 points is a lot. Um, it is. That is a lot to dump into one dude that when we saw earlier, some of the other special demons don't cost anywhere near as much as that. That's actually, the point cost on that is actually really rough. Yeah, it's a pretty bad return. And the only thing I'm wondering about is this multiple melee weapons thing, because that very much will determine whether some of these models are worth taking or not. Is if that provides any bonus. Mm -hmm. The big thing is really going to be um, <clears throat> how the APOC mechanics work with um, assault. So the theme of this whole podcast has actually been an assault versus shooting, and the thing I'm seeing here is that. A lot of the assault stuff looks really, really good, yeah. provided you can get them into combat. Now, APOC actually has that one kind of silver lining where the damage is resolved at the end of the turn, which mm -hmm. means, okay, maybe you wipe out all my all my blood letters in terms of you know how many blast markers you put next to them, but I still get to go with them. I still get to charge, or as far as my understanding is, I still can charge. I can still fight. I can still get into battle, fight mm -hmm. them but I might know that I'm going to lose them there at the end of the turn. So, yeah. Uh, so keeping, keeping this moving along, the, we're almost done with demons here. Yeah, the contort uh, of the epitome is uh, yeah. pretty much exactly what it is on the tabletop. It's a special type of herald. Um, so you can add one to your wound rolls for Selesh demons, and uh, it prevents people from falling back. 
And uh, that's pretty much it. Yep. Uh, Infernal Entrap in in Raptress. Not Entraptress. In Raptress. Which Um, is the uh, Herald with the Harp. That's right. And in 40k, we're used to this character being used for increasing summoning. And I think it works as a Herald as well. Um, Mm -hmm. At the end of the damage phase, roll a d6 for each infantry on a six remove one. Ooh, now yeah. this is really cool okay she is definitely going to be a take yeah blissful so i skipped ahead of a couple of the abilities which you might jump to uh but blissful uh dissonance is really really cool so what we were just talking about now with about the fact that damage resolves at the end of the end of the uh it, basically they create a damage phase and what they let you do is on a d6 you can just ignore it's almost like a feel no pain to da- to blast markers that you have on your um uh on your unit but it only counts towards your light slanesh units mm-hmm. uh so like your your seekers and bigger units and stuff like that they won't get this ability uh, but like if you have a big squad of demonettes or something like that you have the ability to just ignore losing a wound on a six up uh, or losing you know, losing basically the equivalent of 10 demonettes on a six up. Yeah. Um, but uh, her other two abilities are also very good. Um, yeah. So she has psychic backlash like the uh, fiends that had. So she can force, mm-hmm. force perils and uh, harmonic alignment allows you to reinforce your army with the unit of Selesh demons that has previously been destroyed. So uh, Shalaxi Hellbane get, got blown away early in the game. Well, That's she can bring them back. That's really, really good. For five, for five power, that's really, really good, Mike. Yeah, she's a, a very much an obvious take. Yeah, yeah, especially well, yeah, if you're playing Slanesh, that's mm-hmm. super obvious. You're gonna have to see her on every army. Um, so the next, so that brings us to the end of the demons. That was a really long segue. I, I had no idea the demons were gonna be that deep <laughs> that were in there. Uh, we, now we, we're starting to get to the good stuff. So I want to take a slight detour into Chaos Knights, Mike, if that's okay. Um, I want to get to both of this and the Titanic uh, uh, data sheets. They're very quick. Um, but the important thing is I think Chaos Knights, there's a couple things we're going to see here that are going to start to um, give us hints of what we'll see in the Chaos Knights Codex. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is kind of some some segues. Like so, for example, um, in the Chaos Knight uh, uh, list here, the the I guess the data sheets that we have, uh, what they say you can do is you can say you can nominate a Chaos Knight to be what's called a Dreadblade, uh, and regardless of whether it owes its allegiance to a to an infernal household or an iconic um, household or an icon. Icon class, iconoclast, I suppose. It's a weird. Yeah, iconoclast. Uh, if you do so, the unit gains a dreadblade keyword as well as a faction keyword on its data sheet. So it's kind of like instead of free blades, they become dreadblades. That kind of gives us, in in my opinion, kind of a, a a sneak peek at what to expect there. And it also sounds like what they've done is they've renamed the armagers that we're familiar with the the baby knights uh they are now the chaos version of it is called a war dog um that is bark. a name bark 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 
That is the worst name for <laughs> in a long time. Uh, I'm sorry. That's terrible. Uh, it does have the thermal sphere is pretty good. Uh, if you want to blow up vehicles, in yeah. tanks, 30 inch range, uh, you're wounding on fours. Uh, pretty dang good. Pretty dang yeah. good. Uh, the autocannon is also not bad um, as a sort of middle of the road weapon. Neither is the, the Reaper chain cleaver is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the they also come in units of three. Uh, so the knight despoiler, uh, the knight despoiler sounds like it is very much the equivalent of your combination of what we have right now, which is your renegade knight. Uh, you it pretty much has the same loadouts where you can take the dual revenging Gatling cannons, you can take the Gatling cannon rapid fire battle cannon, all that great stuff. Uh, all of that stuff seems to wound really dang good. Uh, yeah, thermal cannon on fours, uh, with the destroyer keyword. Uh, it also has the Icarus auto cannon that it can take uh, against anti aircraft, uh, which again might be something that we have to kind of see what that keyword ends up saying. Mm. Uh, but in terms of weaponry, that is destroyer, uh, thermal cannon, chainsword, and the thunderstrike gauntlet. So the stuff that we would kind of expect to be. Yeah. Uh, Overall, I, I like what they've done with it. Even though there are some, like, if you want to be hyper-specialized, um, there are better options. Yeah. Each of the weapon options does seem to be fairly solid here and um, have a role that they can play. Now then, the the third uh, knight that's in here is obviously the Castellan, uh, which they have named the Knight Tyrant. Uh, it comes in at 30 power level, which in a you know, typical 300 power level game for your army is a drop in the bucket. Um, it is uh, six wounds um, hitting. It's basically your standard profile of what you would expect. Um, it does have its shield break missiles, uh, which do not have, if I'm reading this right, the shield breakers do not have that rule that ignores in, uh, ignores saves or anything like that. So they basically just function like a weapon that's on there. Um, I guess they would be able to fire oh. that in addition to the other stuff. Uh, they, I guess the way you would take the Night Tyrant is as an anti-Night platform with the Volcano Lance because that is the first thing I've seen aside from the Thunder Coil Harpoon uh, which is wounding tanks on two and has the and has Apocalyptic the Destroyer. So it places so two large blasts next to a unit oh, whenever man. it wounds. Versus just the Destroyer. Just the one large blast. Right. Yeah, that, right. But it only has a 12-inch range, so trade-offs. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're – my guess is you're going to see Castellans on the table quite a bit because they're only 30 power level. They yeah. can take it to other knights pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and then especially the the next thing that we're going to get to is the creme de la creme, the, the battle titans. I mean, the, the god machines of the, um, the Imperium and Chaos. Um, but we're going to look at the Chaos version because that's, that's who we serve. Yep, Titanicus Traitoris, the bad guys. The, the good guys. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. uh, they do get a hereticus or a, a heretic titan legion which they don't necessarily say what that is yet 
my guess is there's probably something to play at that, uh, but they do get some kind of Titan Legion that's in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably some kind of benefit coming with that in the APOC rules for Titans. Uh, <laughs> lots of apocalyptic destroyer, uh, lots of destroyer weapons all over the place, especially on yep. the I mean, the, the warlord's ridiculous, but it's a warlord, so I kind of expe expect that. I mean, the fact that it's got 36 wounds, Mike, 36 wounds and one. Day. Yeah, on in a four up save, you you are oh. going to never take that sucker down. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, let's see. Hey, it has void shields. It has void shields as well. That's right. And void shields uh, remove large blast markers first. <laughs> um, um, I mean, there's so much to take in here. These the, the the amount of weapons this thing can take is one entire page. Yes, it's ridiculous. And then. Uh, the uh, Chaos Reaver, which is actually, you'll actually see these in play. In oh, life. yeah. Uh, I've, got mine on uh, I've got mine sitting on my shelf. I've got sitting on myself, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, ready to go with its, uh, you know, volcano. I'm actually disappointed when I see the volcano cannon that the Reaver can take uh, with the, the, that lovely apocalyptic destroyer keyword. I have the Melta cannon on mine. Oh. Uh, wow. Which, you know, is kind of a, let down when you look at the two of those side by side but yeah i mean you do get twice as many attacks and it's better versus infantry so you know if you ever need to shoot some infantry with your 100 power rating uh <laughs> reaver battle titan you're good to go well that uh, well if you think about it your your awesome bloodthirster that's sitting there yeah no deleted 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 yep but uh, so pretty much, it looks like they did a fairly good job of uh, making the night the Titans actually feel relevant and Titany. Uh, so like the Chaos Warhound, which is obviously the smallest Titan, is sixty power rating, which is twice that of the Castellan, but it 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 feels appropriate uh, mm -hmm. for what it has because it has double the wounds, it has a much better save, it has the void shields. Um, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing here. I think, in my opinion, the Reaver is the is the one to go with, though. Yeah, I think That's... the Reaver com comes out sort of on top, just based off of, like, power rating to wounds to guns. Uh, it is the, it's right in the middle. It gives you everything you want out of a Titan. Um, it gives you stuff that just deletes stuff. Um, it it has the better version of the void shield generator. Um, yeah. The uh, the warhound only has the one that lets you remove small blast markers before mm -hmm. large ones, and you want that remove the large one first. Um, and then it's got twenty four wounds versus thirty six wounds on the warlord, mm -hmm. and twelve wounds on the uh, the warhound. So it's um, it's a good middle of the road, very even keel. Um, I'm only taking 30% of my total allotted points, like your yeah. 300 power level target that you're looking for. Uh, so I essentially then have about 200 points of power level stuff that I can throw into my army. 
Mm -hmm. And if you consider the fact that 2,000 points uh, is usually equivalent to about 100 power level, yeah, that shows you how big your army really can be at that point. Like, you can bring this Reaver Titan with, like, two 2,000-point armies. Yeah. So, yeah, very much looking forward to these rules once they're out. I mm -hmm. think Apex is going to be great. Yeah, I, I think we're um, – I, once they get, I guess, some of the wrinkles ironed out, like the weirdness of, like, the the um, Scarabacults, for instance, mm -hmm. um, I, I like what I'm seeing here for the most part. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I, uh, I, Am I forgetting one thing, though, Mike? I, I think there was one thing, though. Oh, what was it? Uh – it was a Mag Magnus did nothing wrong. Magnus, that's right. Magnus did nothing wrong. He didn't. He, he just didn't. didn't do anything wrong at all. Nope, he did. Nope, he did everything. Right. All right, <laughs> guys.